here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. <laughs> Give me a name. I like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome again to the Voice of Wrestling podcast. I am Rich Crage alongside, as always. The man himself, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Landa. Joe, how's it going? It's going all right. That was a um, disappointing weekend of wrestling, I think, huh? Yeah, really nothing to talk about. Um, we're really scrapping. I, I, Topic-wise, uh, we're going to do a big Q&A because we just had nothing to do. So um, I hope everybody sent their questions in. Uh, they're usually pretty pretty good. So that, that'll be fun. Yeah, we can uh, uh, just get into that. Uh, DDT Peter Pan, we'll start out with that and just kind of give an extensive preview. And then uh, Triple Mania. So those will be the two topics. Uh, we'll be sure to definitely hone in on uh, through this entire episode, right? Rich is being cheeky, oh. as our European friends like to say. <laughs> I, I feel like Americans say cheeky too, don't they? Or is it more is it more prominent overseas? I don't know. Is it? And not only is he being cheeky, but I don't know why. But he completely buried DDT and AAA. Which was uncalled. Not at all. No, 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 no. It's just we have so much else to talk about. I, I, I wanted to talk about it because I, I want to let people know that we aren't going to talk about those just because we have so much other stuff to go on. Of course, we're, we're being facetious about the weekend. There's just tons of news and stuff going on. So just in case people are like, oh, I can't wait for those guys to break down DDT Peter Pan or whatever. We, we, you know, that's the biggest show of the year for DDT. It's going on the 28th in, in Sumo Hall. And it's got a really, you know, a main event of, of, of Takashita versus Ishikawa, which is going to be awesome. And the card itself looks great, but we're just not going to have time to do it. There's just so much else to do. So uh, we do want to let you know that Dylan, uh, on our website, uh, voicewrestling.com, has tons of really great uh, reviews of the most recent DDT events, like I think the last three or four DDT events. So if you want to kind of get up to speed on what's going on in DDT, who the players are, what's going on, what's everything leading into that Peter Pan show, definitely check out his reviews, uh, voicewrestling.com. So I just want to let people know that as well. And also our forums are a really good source for DDT um, discussion, and I'm sure leading up to Peter Pan up until the final minute, and then while Peter Pan's going on, there'll be people talking about that and stuff. But we just do not have time today, unfortunately. So... We usually preview tri- – look, l- let's face it. We're not exactly Rob Viper and the Cubs fan over here when it comes to Lucha. <laughs> okay, let's be completely honest. But, no, I think we should review it. If it's a train wreck, we should review it again. Well, here's the, what I was going to say was normally, at least when it comes to Triple Mania and at least when it comes to the CMLL anniversary show, which is coming up in a couple weeks, and, at least, you know, and, and sometimes when they have other random big shows, we, we usually do try to preview them and give them a little bit of attention. We've done that over the years. They're horrible previews. 
I mean, they're horrendous because we don't know what we're talking about. But we, I, I, I know absolutely. Like you know, you are a lucha expert compared to me. That's how bad it really. I is. I think like, it's like I keep one eye on lucha and you keep like half an eye on lucha. Like and <laughs> uh, maybe a quarter. I, it might even be. And less admittedly, than that. It's like, and admittedly, it's literally like this is the greatest match ever. Watch this, and I watch it. And I don't like it, and then I just move on. And like that's that's how me and lucha is like. You, it, oh, it's the best match I've ever seen. You gotta watch this, and I watch it. And I go, ah, that wasn't that good. And then I just don't watch it again for eight months. So admittedly, you hate the style. You just can't get into the lucha. Yeah, is what it comes down to. I don't. So we'll talk about a show where I really enjoyed the lucha match that was on the show. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But sure. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't mind the lucha. It's not my favorite style. But the point here, normally we try to preview it. We just don't. We're not gonna have time to get to the Triple Mania. But there is a tremendous preview of Triple Mania on the website right now, written by the aforementioned Cubs fan. Let me tell you something. I read that review. And I thought for about a split second of plunking down the 23 bucks for that iPay-Per-View. But then I remembered, this is AAA iPay-Per-View we're talking about here. The fucking thing's not going to work. And the main event looks like it's going to be an absolute disaster. So uh, I quickly uh, changed my mind. But, you know, when AAA... I, I will say that was a little bit of creative uh, editing on my behalf. Because uh, Cubs fan had an, uh, a sentence in there that was like, Yeah, you should order it because it looks good. But don't order it because it's AAA and it's going to suck, probably. It was something like that to the extent. I don't know if those were the exact words. And I was like, you know, well, let, let's let the people decide or whatever. So I'm glad that you were... Because uh, like that one sentence like came like right in the beginning. Yeah. He was like, here, I'm going to break down all these matches. But it's not going to matter because it's going to suck anyway. <laughs> like to, In like no certain words is what he said. I was like, you know what? No, no, no. Let, let's take that out. Let, let's let people, you know, decide for themselves, waste their twenty-three dollars, and then get mad about. Because that the best part was last year is that everybody went. Everybody was like, "I'm watching Triple Mania. I can't wait. This is going to be great. It's on. It's on pay per view. It's good. This. There's an English broadcast. Like this is awesome. I can't wait. And then it was an absolute train wreck, and that made it that much better. You know what I mean? Like, that show. If, what what happened with that show was it was so bad that it became fun bad. Like, you had to tune in halfway through. Like, I wasn't watching it halfway through. I knew I, I was home that day, and I'm checking our Twitter feed, and people are just like, oh, my God, Matt Stryker is, like, on the air asking if they can hear him. Like, and, and, like, the matches kept sucking, and I, I tuned in. I was like, all right, I got to watch this thing. I, I, I just have to. Like, and it was, yeah, the last half of that show was the most fun I've had watching wrestling ever because, like, that, that was the one time when Twitter was actually hilarious and funny with its negativity because it was, like, everybody realized it doesn't matter anymore. Like, you know, it's just, like, let's just rip on this thing and laugh about it. But not be like like it's the end of the world that we're ripping or that oh this is a falling apart or whatever. I'm sure Court Bauer and Matt Stryker weren't very happy about it, but uh, for the rest of us, it was a joyous occasion that I will never forget. Yeah, so um, we'll not be reviewing. We may review it if we watch it though. If there's, I, I'd like to. I'd like to always. I think we always do a pretty decent job of it, at least. Uh, I, I hope it's either a train wreck or a really good show. I mean, if it's just a boring show, we probably will not review it. But if it's uh, if it's one of the two, the train wreck or awesome, then we will definitely. Uh, get to that but yeah we have tons to talk about today with SummerSlam weekend i do want to let you know though joe before we get to that that this episode is sponsored by our good friends at mac weldon MacWeldon.com. we have a new promo code they want to test how how loyal our listeners are how loyal they are how much they love purchasing underwear at MacWeldon.com or socks or polos or or you, you know you zip up hoodies or, or whatever you need they they have a new promo code it's voices before we've told you about vow don't use that vow one that's not going to work anymore that's no good the promo code now is voices and that'll give you 20 percent off when you use that coupon code VOICES at MacWeldon.com, go onto their site. Very easy to use. Pick what item you want. Pick what color. They don't annoy you with like 7,000 different choices and nine different pairs of underwear. It doesn't matter. You click underwear. They give you you know two pairs of underwear. You click what color. You check out and you use that coupon code VOICES. You'll get 20% off. And that's, of course, at MacWeldon.com. Our good friends sponsor the show once again. But, yeah, definitely want to support us and support our great sponsors. MacWeldon.com. Use coupon code VOICES. you get 20% off your next purchase. At that good site, and they want to test how, how how loyal you guys are with that. They're trying to switch it up on you with that that promo code change, but 
Don't let them. Don't let them get the. Don't let them get a fast one on you. You go order that underwear and you use voices. All right. It's the most comfortable underwear you'll ever wear. Isn't that true, Rich? <laughs> that is true. Yes, I am uh, currently wearing it. I'm wearing their polo shirt as well. I'm all in on all this Mac Weldon stuff. And and uh, there's so much to get to. Starting with Rich, the SummerSlam. Yeah, let's get into the SummerSlam here. Uh, so we'll start out Jason Jordan, Chad. And no, I'm just joking. Let's uh, let's talk the main event. Uh, Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton. Uh, the story coming out of this match, of course, is not the result. You know, Brock Lesnar winning. Uh, the story coming out is the elbow, the blood, the what, what do you want to call it? Elbow gate? Is it elbow gate? Are we officially calling it that so they can everybody can make me mad about it? You're the anti gate guy. I don't. I don't mind. A, I don't. Stupid. I don't mind a good gate. I don't mind a good gate. No, it's stupid. It's not called. It's Watergate because the name of the hotel is the Watergate. Like, oh my god. Like, the Fleet Gate is the like. Okay, no, don't even please. We have too much this to do. It's not the KMP show, my friend. I know. But, do, you, oh do you guys my. do a lot of uh, uh, gates? No, do you do a lot of the Fleet Gate on the KMP show? Uh, we did like the first two episodes, and then we decided we're never going to talk about this story again. And I think we did one a few episodes ago when they finally ended that story. Like, it, it was something where it was like, how is this story still around? It's like three years after the point, and they're like, all right, we're going to finally make a ruling on this deflate gate thing. And I was like, how is this story still around? It's the dumbest story I've ever heard. But when you guys do your detailed breakdowns of weeks one through four of the NFL and Tom Brady's not playing, how are you going to avoid it? Right. Uh, we're just going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo the whole time. That's our guy, local guy, local uh, Chicago guy. So Garoppolo's from Chicago, huh? Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo, that kind of, it sounds like a low-level gangster, right? He should not be from, like, Rolling Meadows, Illinois. No. Like, that, that makes no sense where he's from. No. Given that. He, no. he should be from, like, you know, uh, Bergen County, New Jersey or something. Right? <laughs> right. Like, 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 Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, that's not a, yeah, it's not like a suburban white guy name in, in this, you know, suburban Chicago white like, guy name. What are we doing? I feel, I feel like Liv Morgan has dated a Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like, I feel like. She has, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the t- Carmella, not so much because she's, you know, a fake. She's a fake. She's a fake. Or Liv, Liv Morgan is. She's, she's definitely nice. dated a Jimmy Garoppolo. She's from the 201. I mean, come on. <laughs> Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton. Elbow Gates. What were your thoughts when you saw this match the first time and the reaction to it? Of course, if people don't know what we're talking about, which I think everybody should know. But uh, in the end of this match, Brock Lesnar uh, gave elbows to Randy Orton like he was trying to cut him open hard way. Uh, he cut him open very much hard way. Uh, Randy Orton was bleeding everywhere, and it started a firestorm on Twitter of, of Brock Lesnar's unsafe. Oh, was that a shooter? Was that a work? What's going on? You know, oh, why does Brock Lesnar get to do this and nobody else does? A bunch of stuff happened. Joe, what was your initial reaction when you saw the elbow and you saw the blood and you saw kind of the reaction that everybody was having uh, on Twitter and, and all over the Internet? My initial reaction was Liv Morgan's not even an Italian or Jersey-style name. Why did they give her the name Liv Morgan? It doesn't fit the gimmick. So what's, her, what's her real name? Gianna Daddio or something? And that was a much oh, that's better name. Right. Yeah, just give her that name or just like let her keep that last name. I forgot that was her name. I forgot she's a Daddio. I mean, every, yeah, Liv Morgan is like uh like that'd be like a like an actress's like stage name. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like because their name is that. Like like because their name is whatever that whatever that Italian name whatever the hell that thing was uh, Daddio or whatever. But like they want to be in in Hollywood, so they have to be Liv Morgan because like nobody's gonna book them if they're is Gianna Daddio. You know what I mean? Like like everything else about her with the gimmick is fine. Right. But the thing and like she's really from New Jersey and all that. But the name just doesn't fit. She should be Carmella and Carmella should be Liv Morgan. Maybe they'll pull a double uh, switcheroo here. Yeah, just switch the names and no one will notice. But um, Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton. First of all, I think I'm the only person on earth who liked the match. I, 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 although I haven't heard your take, though. Did you like the match? I liked it. I thought um, I liked I, the ending. I loved I up until that point. I don't know. It was OK. It was. 
a little too much of like kind of the brawling on the outside that I don't really like. I, I like Lesnar when he's a little bit more of the suplex guy, a little bit more of the hard shot. This was a little bit too much of the outside stuff where he's like, you know, tossing him onto the tables and that sort of stuff. But uh, overall, I mean, I like the match probably a lot more than a lot of people. If you looked at uh, the uh, Voice of Wrestling review, uh, we there was like a dud. I think someone gave him like a one star. And I think I, I don't have it in front of me, but I went somewhere, I think, three and a half or, or three. Because I actually I didn't mind it all that much. I mean, it was obviously a little short. Uh, which kind of sucked, but uh, yeah, for the most part, I, I enjoyed it, and I really liked the ending too. When it was over, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Uh, and then I went on Twitter, and I saw that other people didn't, uh, you know, <laughs> share my sentiment with that. I liked it. I thought it was a, it, it was a, it was a, the match, like like most Brock matches, except when he gets. See, I got to disagree. I don't like when he gets too suplex happy. I think that's where he sort of um, gets off the script a little bit. But uh, otherwise. Brock's matches always feel different. They always feel violent. They always feel nasty. And that's what th- this one had that feel for me. It didn't feel like anything else on the show, which is what I love about Brock and what he brings to the table. Uh, I even thought the t- table spots on the outside were nasty. And then, of course, the finish. I loved it, too. I really enjoyed the finish. It was completely different. I like the TKO finish. I like the blood stoppage uh, aspect to it. Um, from an entertainment standpoint, I enjoyed everything about the match, and I enjoyed the finish. Uh, They really set up Brock again as sort of an unstoppable monster where they could really take advantage of that if they have the right person go over him. I don't have confidence that's going to happen, but in a vacuum, what they did with this match and how unique it was and how great Brock uh, looked and how strong he looked coming out of it, in a vacuum, all of that stuff is great. Where my issue comes in as I have no confidence in the follow-up because if Shane fucking McMahon is the guy who eventually beats Brock Lesnar, yeah. this is just all a waste. And they really, I mean, that was a, such a strong hint, I thought, at the end of SummerSlam that that was the guy that went after him. And that was, I mean, that, like, you, you could have written, I mean, I, I, I could write that right down now on, on my WrestleMania card, right? Like that, the second he, he suplexed him, I went, oh, man. Like, especially, that's what we're getting. Especially with the follow-up of Stephanie doing the, um, well, I have to give some kind of punishment, so we'll give the $500 fine, which was basically saying, I don't really give a shit if this guy attacks Shane. You know what I mean? It's like, so they're gonna, it wasn't just a one-off that Shane took, did he take the, uh, was it the F5 or was it a German? I don't even remember what the move I, Yeah, I don't recall exactly but, what it was. Maybe, I think it was an F5, right? Whatever it was, he popped right up from it, so. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was he was up before Orton, people were laughing, because like Orton's in the corner getting attended to by, you know, three doctors, and like Shane's like getting up and like shaking it off, and it was just kind of a, a funny juxtaposition but yeah that that match is so ending at wrestlemania with like shane coming off the top rope with an elbow through the table you know what i mean like yeah. i can i can see it in my head right now exactly what the match is going to look like it's it, it's to a t i can see it already yeah, and it's, and it's, it's, it's utter not it's a complete waste of you've been building up brock lesnar for how many years now what, what when were those losses to triple h years ago right I mean, that was because you did that SummerSlam one. I think that was was that 2012 or 13. What? I mean, it's years ago. It's, it might have been 2012, honestly, because I think 13 was the CM Punk match, right? It might as well have been ancient history at this point, you know. And he, he came off. He's been essentially booked super strong ever since then. And I just fear that they're going to piss that away on Shane McMahon when you have all of these potential choices that you can put over Brock Strong, and they'll look like a million bucks in doing so. But in a vacuum. I enjoyed the match. I'm not someone who has turned on Brock Lesnar yet. Um, I, I, Rich, and, and this is going to be a theme on this show, I think, but I think we're both sort of people who separate the art from the artist for the most part. 
Um, it, we don't really struggle with that. I know some people do, and that's okay. And if you think Brock Lesnar's a dick, and for that reason you can't get into his stuff, I totally get it. And there's some other people we're going to talk about today who sort of fit that description too. I never have a problem separating the art from the artist. I mean, if you're a sports fan, half of these athletes are fucking scumbags and assholes. And you, yeah, pretty much if you're a sports fan, you kind of have to comprehend that, or you have to sort of uh, be able to compartmentalize that. Yeah. Because if you're ever watching any athlete, chances are that guy's an asshole. He's, you know, beat somebody up. He's a woman. I like, you know, I mean, there's so many things that you look at and you're like, every one of these people are just terrible people. And, 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 I mean, and wrestling, especially. So it's right. Yeah. I mean, that's especially like maybe one of the lower. Com- I mean, it, it's getting a little bit better now. I think sure. they're kind of the next generation or crop of guys. But yeah, those old timey wrestlers, man, those guys are terrible people. So, yeah, you can't really like you. Ha- you have to compartmentalize that and go, OK, this guy's a terrible person in real life. I would not be friends with them. I wouldn't. But I like what they do in the ring. So I can kind of separate. And, and let my you know turn my brain off. Other people can't do that, and I respect people that can't do that. I, I that you know, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong for doing that, but I also don't think people should either judge us for being you, you know people that say, oh, I don't really care. Like, yeah, I just like what he does in the ring. Like that, I, I think you're fair on both ends, depending on whatever you, whatever route you choose to take. Sure, and I don't think Brock Lesnar is necessarily a bad person. I mean, I he, he's not a criminal. He's not uh, you know he doesn't. You know, he, do like heinous things. I don't think he, you know, I'm not thrilled with the hunting and stuff like that, but that's just me. I mean, I, I bet he does unregulated hunting. I can see that for sure. He's a poacher. I bet. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure he gets way too many uh, deer that he's not allowed, you know, a few more deer than he's supposed to get, but that's all right. We'll let him. I see why he annoys people, you know, the drug test failure in the UFC and, and all of this stuff. And, um, but, but, you know, I I enjoyed the match and I'm not someone who has turned on Brock Lesnar. I still enjoy watching him for what he is. Here's one of the things that's always kind of funny with Brock is that none of the things that really happen to him and the pe- things that people bring up all the time of why they don't like Brock or why they're sick of him or why, you know, this sort of stuff. A lot of it is it, it, it's kind of rooted in personal stuff, but none of it's really his. It's like it's not his fault that, yeah, it's his fault that he tested positive, but it's not his fault that Vince McMahon just went, ah, whatever. You know, that's not his fault. Like, it's not his fault that, you know, Vince has this thing where he's different. When he goes in the ring, he can do that different sort of stuff. He can have a match like this, whereas nobody else would get a match like that. And people get mad at Brock or at least project in anger at Brock because of that and I, I just don't know if that's fair because if you if, if anybody was told hey have a completely different match do whatever the hell you want they would jump at the chance and Brock you know what he's gonna say no he's gonna say no 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 I'm not gonna do that and in this case this was a very interesting because one of the big arguments coming out of that SummerSlam match was, you know, why is Brock able to take liberties with his opponents? Why is he able to do this? And we, of course, had the thing with Chris Jericho, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. And people sort of projected onto Brock as like, oh, he does this, or he takes liberties and does all that sort of stuff. I mean, Randy Orton knew full well what was going on. We saw that in The Observer. If people aren't subscribed to the Wrestling Observer, I think Dave, you know, this is when he's at his best, is when things like this come on. And he, on this week's Observer, I think, did a great job of breaking down that Randy Orton knew damn well what was going on in that match. Yes, maybe the cut was a lot more than he thought. Maybe Maybe it didn't quite work out exactly how they wanted, but Randy Orton wasn't surprised that, uh, that that Brock started throwing elbows, and the referees were surprised because Vince doesn't tell anybody what's going on. He Vince likes that idea that when Brock's out there and when Brock's doing his thing, it's unpredictable, and this is what that was. There was a firestorm of people going, "Oh my God, what's going on? It's going off the air. The referees aren't ready. Was that a shoot? Was it?" That's exactly what they wanted. Like they got exactly what they wanted out of that main event segment. Yeah, WWE spent the entire week, sort of. Uh, creating this new work, which is the old work, of making it f- make it real. 
Make it real is sort of their new philosophy and the new, which has been, which was the old way, the way wrestling was for decades. And they've sort of gone back that this week, and I love it. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know. We know this, that Vince changes on a whim and he could switch directions, but I love this new thing where the lines are blurred and it's reality based and we're not sure whether things are a work or a shoot anymore. And I did think that this finish, if you go back, I watched the match two or three times, and if you go back and watch the match and just watch the crowd reaction when they see the blood people are just putting their hands on top of their heads and watching through their fingers and that no one knows what to think there's a gasp in the crowd because we haven't seen blood in wwe for so long and we haven't seen finishes like this and it all just that's good that 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 they're fooling us sometimes and we don't know where the lines are drawn but you're right there is so much misplaced anger towards brock lesnar uh and, and this was a perfect example of it you know randy orton you know it's his body and he okayed this, and he agreed to go along with this. And uh, maybe Brock, uh, you know, the elbows were a little stiffer than Randy. But here's the thing. Brock Lesnar's also in an impossible position here. He's given marching orders. He's told, look, we want you to bust this guy open hard way, and he's okay with it. But don't bust him open. Don't hit him too hard, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not too just, big. Just a little, just a little just one. Just bust him open. We want you to bust him open with your elbow. While you're both sweaty and you have a sweaty elbow. And it's like, yeah, it's not very easy, and, by and the way, to and do you're, that. And yeah. you're 290 pounds and you're strong as fuck. But it just, you know, don't go too hard. I mean, that's an impossible position to be in. He's got to get the job done, number one. I mean, I don't blame him at all for the, the gash on Randy. Listen, again, I'll say it again. Randy Orton... Agreed to this. <laughs> I mean, that's it. The, the conversation's over. He, he you know, and, and credit to Randy Orton. Because let me tell you something. I'm not agreeing to that. And a lot of guys in that locker room aren't agreeing to that. And Randy Orton's the kind of guy who can say no. I think that's important here, too. Because there's certain people in the locker room who are going to feel pressured to say, well, I can't not tell. I cannot sit here in this room with Vince McMahon and Doc Hendricks. And, uh, and Brock Lesnar and, and all these decision makers and tell these people, no, it's going to ruin my career. Randy Orton can tell these guys to go fuck themselves. He's Randy Orton. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's, I don't, look, I don't feel bad for Orton. Um, I don't, you know, from the, from perspective of, I feel bad that he got, you know, a bigger gash than maybe he was expecting. But from the perspective of, you know, he could have said no to this. So there's just so much misplaced anger towards Lesnar. This is a guy who does what he's told. He always works hard, uh, he, you know, and he goes out there and, and gives it his all 99% of the time. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I haven't turned on the way other people have. Yeah, and, and I think the, the last point you brought up of, like, the guy, who he brings it up every time he's in the ring. And, like, whether or not you like his matches or not, you can't deny that the guy puts a ton of effort into what he does. And, and there's also the mis... I, I think, again, another misguided thing is that, you know, oh, well, he's just going to be gone. You know, what does this do if he's just going to leave for six months or whatever? And it's like, again, that's not his fault. Like, he, like yes, he signed a contract, and but he's not going to say, yeah, I'll work for free, man. Like, I don't get... Like, he this guy's a businessman. He he, like, he he, that's what he does. He doesn't book the show. Right, like it's, it's, you know, it's, like, it's misplaced anger. I agree that they don't they, they don't utilize the guy to the full. Look, we just spent ten minutes talking about how they're probably going to blow the follow up to this, and they're not going to have the right guy beat him. That's not Brock Lesnar's fault. How's that Brock Lesnar's fault? I have you ever heard stories of this guy rejecting storylines or refusing to put people over? I haven't. If I'm missing those stories somewhere, and I read the Observer like everybody else does, okay, and I'm on Twitter 24/7 like everybody else is, I'm not hearing stories of this guy refusing to do business. How is any right. of that his fault? He does what he's told. He go. He he shows up to work, and he does what they tell him to do. 
All right, let's go over the rest of this card here. Anything else on uh, the elbow heard around the world, or are you done? Well, we got the Jericho thing. Yeah, I guess, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. You know, after the show then, uh, Jericho confronted uh, Brock Lesnar, and they're, they're a, you know, a, a little bit of a, not a brawl, but a kind of a, a pull-apart scuffle uh, happened. And what, what, do you th- what is your take on that? I mean, that another really interesting wrinkle. And this was all coming out, like, really rapidly, too. So it was just like, just this entire weekend was just filled with, with just interesting, wild wrestling news that we just don't get that much anymore. That's why this is like an old, like, 90s thing. You know, there was just so much going on here. And, and yeah, what, what do you make of, of Jericho confronting uh, Lesnar after the show i think nobody was wrong i think that jericho first of all um i I think the company i think it's bad that they work their own crew and nobody knows what's happening with these when you do a finish like this you 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 really should let people in on it because otherwise shit like this happens and this could have been very ugly if it broke out into a brawl and it broke out into a fight and uh, you just you can't you got look the the referee didn't even know I mean is this necessary I mean you know on one hand they they they, they run themselves like this this upstanding publicly traded company and everything else but yet it's still full on fucking carny in the back I mean how does the referee not know the finish I mean give me a fucking break you know and then when Jericho who's concerned for a friend he's concerned for a coworker comes up into the grill position and has questions it's like dude. The match is over. Answer his question. You know, I joked about Doc Hendricks before, but he's asking Michael Hayes what's going on with it. Michael Hayes could have defused that situation instantly by just giving up and by telling him, look, this Randy, Randy's okay with this. This was the planned finish. But he, he didn't say anything by all accounts. So now Jericho's irate because he thinks his friend just got maimed in the ring. I don't think Jericho's wrong. Okay, so Brock comes into the back and and here's Jericho ranting and raving. I don't think Brock's wrong for being on. He's like, who the fuck is this guy? I just went out there and did my job. Why is this guy ranting and raving at me and and saying bullshit and everything? It was just a big misunderstanding between everybody, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. And then, you know, um, you know, Triple H breaking it up and then Vince getting mad at, at Jericho, but then Triple H standing up for Jericho. The only person I really have a problem with here is Michael Hayes. But at the same time. He he might feel like it's not his place to tell Jericho because he don't want to get in trouble with his again. Yeah, that's that's the culture of this company is that he, everyone's looking over their shoulder always. And, and when you're within you know you know spitting distance to Vince, you don't want to go. Oh no, it's you know because that Vince doesn't want that. Vince wants the guys to not really know what's going. He likes that confusion and that chaos for whatever reason. So Hayes is in a terrible spot too because he can't go. Oh no, it's whatever. And then Vince you know glares at him and goes, "What the hell are you? No, that's not what we want to do. We want them to think it's the you know." So I, Hayes is put in a really terrible spot too. That's the, kind of the culture of this company is that like this can happen because they do things so weird. You know, like this shouldn't happen. Like this should, people should be clued in. The agents should know. The wrestlers should know. The referees should know. It doesn't, you know, you, the audience doesn't have to know, but you can go out there and, and still do it. But yeah, they, it puts everybody in a really terrible spot. So, like you're saying, nobody is really wrong. And I don't think Hayes is wrong either because he's also kind of, I mean, he's, that, that's his job is to kind of play this up too, to an extent. So it, it's, I, I get his end of it as well. I mean, Michael Hayes is a pretty terrible person all around, but, uh, so I'm sure, you know, even if he was told, he probably would have found some way to be a dick about it. But regardless, you know, I, he's not in a great spot either so i i nobody's really wrong at all it's just, I, just, just the culture that this company has created lets things like this happen yeah you, you can't I, I i don't think we should be working locker rooms in 2016 we just you just brought up the 90s and a big root of a lot of problems in the 90s was the office constantly working these locker rooms and it's bullshit okay especially in this company like i said you know this publicly traded everything's supposed to be full you, you can't fucking work your locker room like this although i will say this 
Rob Viper made a great point on Twitter. He said, when it comes to a finish like this, you, it, it's not like you can sit, you know, make an announcement to your locker room that one of your performers is going to bash the skull in of one of your other performers and basically admit that the office is not only condoning it but asking for it when you have all these lawsuits on the table. Right. Because yeah, then you not- have 9,000 witnesses who, if Randy Orton decides to – if Randy Orton's brain is mush in 15 years and he decides to sue the company – well, now you've got 9,000 witnesses who sat in on a meeting where Vince McMahon basically said, we're going to bash Randy Orton's skull in tonight. And, you know, that's the, you know what I mean? So, but do you think that that's the way – see, but here's the thing. I don't think that's what they're thinking when they work the locker room. I don't think they're doing it from the perspective of let's protect ourselves from litigation. I think they're doing it from the old school Carney perspective of let's just work our fucking locker room. To really, all that really does is get your own jollies off. What does that add to the angle that you pissed off Chris Jericho in the back? That 0.1% of your audience is ever going to find out about that? What does that add to the angle? Yeah, it really, it, it, nothing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that litigation thing's a good point. I, I mean, I doubt that Vince is thinking that highly, but I'm sure somebody in his mind probably said, I mean, especially when they're coming up with this finish, which apparently happened, like, uh, the Observer mentions that it happened, like, the day of, and I'm sure they had this idea again. You know, this is <laughs> classic Vince McMahon. I'm sure he had this idea many days before, but as Orton's walking in, they say, oh, hey, here's the new idea. They're like, hey, here's what we're going to do, or whatever. So, you know, that that that's always a part of it, too, but I'm sure, yeah, I, I'm sure that the litigation or the f- potential for future litigation was probably something where why they didn't want to tell everybody hey by the way you're going to do this and it also you know we we can see from a lot of these reports or whatever that there is kind of a, a weird locker room tension thing going on with lesnar because he's kind of allowed to he, he lives on his own little island there and vince kind of protects him and does stuff like that for him and all that sort of stuff and again not lesnar's fault why would you not take that if you're going to be able to get, if you're going to get that but that could be another thing too where they don't want to publicly announce yeah brock's gonna be able to do whatever the hell he wants but all you guys make sure you're safe make sure you do this or whatever and the brock's gonna yeah he's just gonna destroy randy orton and, and, and you know bust him open hard way or whatever it, then, you know, you get a little bit of a, well, why, you know, again, why is he able to do that and we have to do this and this? So I get it. I mean, there's really no right answer. I think something where you say, hey, you know, there's going to be something going on at the end of this match, so just don't react. We know or whatever. That might have been a decent idea. Maybe don't get into specifics. But, I mean, it's easier said than done. There, there's chaos going on there at, at that moment anyway. So uh, it, whatever. How about, you know. look, as much as I enjoyed it, how about doing angles where you don't bash a guy's head in? Legit. Uh, there's that too, yeah. Or, you know, you can just you know blade if it's if blading's not the worst or it doesn't really matter all that much but I, I now again i don't i'm not someone who tells people what they should and should not do with their bodies i have no problem with randy orton condoning this i have no problem with uh the company proposing it to it to him and him accepting it but at the same time if you're so worried about litigation you just won't do things like this that's why i think it's more of a carny thing than a litigation thing but i guess uh We've covered that front to back. Yes, we have. So let's let's get to the rest of SummerSlam here. We'll we'll, we'll get to the uh, undercard here uh, in a bit. But I wanted to talk uh, about a, a few of the top matches, and then we'll kind of get back. Uh, AJ Styles, John Cena was the match, kind of in the middle of the card. Um, me, I, I I rated it as far and away the best match of, of SummerSlam. I think the best match of SummerSlam weekend as well. I absolutely love this match. I've seen some people a little bit down on it because it was kind of super indie Cena with a lot of finisher kickouts or whatever. But I didn't really care because when it was all said and done after the you know twenty or so minutes, I thought it was just incredible, and it it in large part killed the crowd because the crowd was just all in on this match and really never got back. You know, not that a bunch of stuff got him back 
you know, on the rest of the card. But it's just like it. I, I thought it was really, really awesome. Really good match between both guys, and it solidified AJ Styles even further uh, to a point where now he, I, I think, is a, a real bona fide main event player. What would you think of this match? I think you summed it up pretty nicely. I too thought it was the best match of the entire weekend. Um, the revival versus. Gargano and uh, I put that number know, two. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. That, but, yeah, that's that neck was... and neck. I would not argue with you if you thought that was the best match of the weekend. Uh, it's one or the other. This was a great match. Um, look, all I know is that it had me popping off my couch, and it was super exciting, and the execution was great. And I like indie Cena, and I like indie style matches with a uh, with a million kickouts sometimes. Okay, I, 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 you know, I, I don't, I don't have this snobbish attitude that you know, uh, you know, a little bit of variety is good. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, well, and I think a part of this match that I, it, that I guess people when they're thinking, oh, the finisher happened and they kicked out, like you got to look at what's going on in between that too. If you just simply say yes, a finisher happened and then they kicked out, this match sucks or whatever. There was a lot of time in between. It wasn't like they were just like a Styles clash and then Cena got up in 20 seconds and then hit an AA and then Styles got up. Like, they were building like that this was a big, like every kickout was a big deal and it kind of had a, a little bit of time to rest. And and there was a look. There was one time where, where I think Cena hit the AA or he hit something and Styles kicked out and Cena just goes in the corner and just kind of has this look of like, I don't know what to do. And like, they're not going at each other again. There was another, there was like a, a three minute gap where Cena just looks at him. Styles is basically dead. He just basically got enough energy to get a shoulder up and Cena looks at him like, I I, I don't know. I've, I've tried this. I've tried that. I, I can't do it. But it, like, to me, that's a whole – like if you just simply put it down to, oh, they hit finishers and they kicked out, the match sucked. Yeah, 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 I didn't like it because it did that too much. I'm not, no, I don't think anybody said it sucked. But but you can't just compl- – every one of those matches isn't the same. A match where there's a bunch of finisher kickouts, they're not always the same. In this one, there was – I thought so much time in between when those big spots happened that it, it didn't bother me. And like, yes, the last half of the match was simply guys hitting their finishers and kind of sitting around and waiting a little bit and doing some stuff. But, you know, I, I was on – you know, I was jumping up every single time. I was going nuts every single time. And I think they gave enough – space and time between all those kickouts or all the big moves that it didn't simply seem like they were just spamming finishers or whatever. It, it felt like a, a coherent story that these guys just, they, they were gave, you know, Cena gave Styles his best and Styles pushed through and won. Like that, that that's to me, that's the story. And I, I, I love this it. match did have psycho. This wasn't just guys trading finishers and kicking right. out. There was a uh, psychology is the, the, the match story, uh, which I think you're trying to get to. Uh, these guys just couldn't finish each other off was the point here. So there was a reason that they were kicking out of all these big moves and these finishers uh, beyond just popping the crowd and ha- and putting in a quote-unquote you know, work-rate style of match. There was a reason for it, and the story was these men couldn't finish each other. And towards the end of the bout and the closing moments when they sort of both just sl- slouched in the opposite corners and said – and gave and like you said, they had those looks on their faces. Like, how do we? I can't win. There's no way I can finish this guy. I cannot put this guy away. I've given him everything. So that was sort of the story of the match here. So I kind of think that's where that argument goes out the window. If you think that this was just guys trading moves, I think you missed the point of the match here. I really think you do because that was the the point was that they they were able to withstand each other's finishes. That these guys were evenly matched and that they couldn't finish each other off. And then finally. Styles hits the Styles clash. I wish he would have just won it there. That drove me nuts. But then he went back out and he hit the phenomenal forearm and he finally put him away. So, um, look, I thought it was a great match. I think it uh, it'll pop up on match of the year lists, and um, it was my favorite match of the weekend. 
All right. Um, other stuff from SummerSlam. Uh, I got a few other matches I want to talk about. I'm trying to figure out the best order here. I guess. Do you want to run down the card now? Uh, I think we talked about those two big ones. Maybe let's run down let's the card do, real we quick. We can do then. the Finn Balor match. And then- if you want. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll do that one now because I wasn't sure. And then we got Rusev. We'll do Rusev Reigns after that too. And then we'll do the rest because I think the rest can kind of be lumped into all in one. But uh, Bella Rollins, what did you think of this one? I thought it was uh, an excellent match. I think I went four mm-hmm. stars on it. And knowing what we know now, that he dis- that Finn Balor dislocated his shoulder, popped it back in, and then worked the rest of that match with a dislocated shoulder, a hard you know a hard match like that. That was not listen. This was not grab a chin lock. Okay, this was a this was a very athletic match with a lot of complex spots. Guy's got a lot of guts. And I'll tell you something about this Finn Balor. It's like I've been screaming on this show. He's one of the hardest working guys on the roster, whether it's a house show, whether it's TV, whether it's a pay-per-view. This guy never dogs it. This guy is such a hard worker, and, and I have tons of respect for that. I love people who work hard. I will always give people who work hard in wrestling the benefit of the doubt. Okay, This guy always goes out there and gives 110%, works his ass off, whether it's in front of 200 people in Largo, Florida, or on you know, the, the, the semi-main event of SummerSlam. Okay. You're, always, you're always picking on Largo. Every, every one of your tweets, every, you're always picking on Largo, Florida. I don't know. Coral Gables, anyone you want to name. <laughs> yeah. okay? All those shitty fucking NXT stops. Okay? <laughs> it, it doesn't matter where. This guy's a hard worker, always has good matches, always puts in a hard-working performance, and, it, it, I, it, and, and I just don't get why people bash this guy. I really don't. But, again, this was another good match, and it's a shame what happened afterwards. Um, I really think that they were onto something with this guy. Uh, they did a great job on that raw, where which you know the, the the first raw after the draft, which put him in this match. Uh, I think they kind of lost the script a little bit by by revealing you know the demon a week early and pounding home the demon king bullshit. But I but but look, Wait, who's the demon king? But here's the thing, Rich. That's Finn Balor. Oh, okay, it's over. It's, yeah. it's over though. People like it, and I really think they were onto something. And this really just. Man, not only does it hurt his momentum, but it's terrible for, for, for the company. It's terrible for the Raw brand. And the Universal Championship, yes, which already within one day of existence has had, you know, already has to have a chance yeah, to vacate. Yeah, for less than 24 great. hours. And I mean, right. look, this sets him up for a monster return. I mean, when this guy comes back, I mean, he's going you know, to blow the roof off the place when he comes back. I, st- yeah. I still think his future is as a heel, to be fair. But there's no reason not to run with him as a face when he comes back. I mean, that would be completely stupid because he's going to be huge when he comes back. Yeah, and SummerSlam had a really cool wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing with the club as well, which is kind of cool. Like, I, I didn't think that was going to happen anytime soon with him and Styles and Anderson and Gallows or whatever. But I like that they kind of put that nugget in there just in case something happens on the line, just in case they. But now, like y- 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 six months, I mean, that's a long time. And that's my question to you. I, I, I didn't really want to break down this match all that much because I don't think there's much more that needs to be said. But I wanted to ask you after this now. So. You know, you think Balor is uh, going to come back and it's going to be great, and everyone's just going to love. It. What What about like the office? What about Vince and all those guys? Do you think that this is something where you know they gave this guy a chance? Because we know that Vince, you know, sometimes when guys get hurt and they're guys that he kind of takes a risk on, sometimes a lot of times he has trouble going back to those guys. He has a lot of time trusting those guys. We've seen, you know, it happened a lot with the concussion thing where, where for a while there it was like Dolph Ziggler, Del Rio, all these guys that were getting pushed. They would get a concussion and they would just never, ever come back. Do you see that happening with Balor where maybe he comes back and he gets a monster reaction, but Vince just never really trusts him again to put him in a big spot or to give him the title again or anything like that? Is Do you think there's anything to that or do you think he's just going to come back and be a monster when he does come back? I don't think in this case because I think that everyone recognizes that it was a pretty brutal injury. Mm-hmm. And and it was it was very obvious and clear where it happened. I could totally see Vince being the kind of guy 
who thinks concussions are for pussies. And that's why he, he views people who get constant concussions in a negative light. Can't you see that as him having oh. this? Old- <laughs> uh, yes, I can. Yes, yeah, very I much. Mean- even, though, even though his company donates plenty of money to uh, you know, the uh, Boston Institute and the concussion research or whatever. Yes, absolutely he thinks. I'm sure that concussions are just you got your bell rung and you know get out there and work yeah, and I, I, you know for 30 years we got you know I I had a concussion I went out there and worked the next day or like you know as as that being a better idea than you know these people that say absolutely 100 percent think that he thinks he that, strikes so. me as one of those old school football coaches which really don't even yep. exist anymore because they're all getting old and retiring or dying that just you know if you could you know how many fingers do I have up get back out there and get them champ I mean that's totally how he comes off to me. And I think whether consciously or subconsciously, the reason that he sort of loses faith in concussion victims is because subconsciously he thinks they're weak. He thinks it's a weak injury. You know why? Because when Finn Balor separates his shoulder, when he gets powerbombed into a railing, it's obvious what happened. Everyone can see it. You see how brutal it is. That's a manly injury. You know what I mean? You break your leg, that's a manly injury, okay, from a, from a, guy's, from a Vince McMahon-type perspective. Concussions, we don't know when they happen for the most part. You know, you get your bell rung, it could have happened at any point. in the. To, I think he views that as a weak person's injury, which reflects his attitude towards people who suffer them. So, no, I think Finn Balor will be fine when he comes back from that perspective. I don't think they're going to hold this injury against him because it was a pretty brutal injury. Yeah, and then there's also the idea too that he you know pops it back in and still wrestles the entire match. Like that might be something that Vince really admires, and it's not like the Sankara thing where you know he pull you know his finger gets dislocated right. and just stops the match. Like you're dead then, you're dead to Vince then. But yeah, in this case, uh, you know Finn, I- I'm sure they know that you know he would love to be out there, and you know he got major. I mean, went in the next day, got huge major surgery. They talked about you know it being a really even worse than they thought when he initially went in. So yeah, I, I tend to think that there probably is not really a big issue with him, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, it remains to be seen. Uh, what does happen when he comes back but yeah i thought it's just a bad bad deal for everybody because they were really hitting on something it was a new fresh start at the top of the card and now especially post brand split like we, we talk about this and we'll talk about another person coming up pretty soon it's like this brand split happens and then you lose like top stars on a bunch of ends you lose a, a, a men's top star you lose a women's top star like it's just yeah it, it's a brutal brutal time right now in wwe and it's going to be you know even worse is that we're coming up to the fall which is you know traditionally the absolute worst time for this company because they're just kind of in a in a holding pattern until royal rumble so it's it's going to be real interesting to see because yeah the, the tvs have not been fantastic post you know brand split smackdown's been okay raw's been pretty terrible and it's not going to get a whole lot better especially when you lose two you know top stars you had some uh, t- you know, there, were, there were some tough people on this show you got finn Balor popping his shoulder back mm-hmm. in and working a hard match you got randy orton willing to get his skull crushed through you got Chris Jericho, who was ready to fight Brock Lesnar. Think about that. He was ready to fight Brock Lesnar. And this is a guy who got in a fight with Goldberg, you know, 15 And beat him. Ago. And beat him. <laughs> and by all accounts, at minimum, held his own. And by some accounts, beat him. Yeah, I would not fuck with Chris Jericho. I, I, you know, he, 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 clearly, he's a man with no fear. And then you, got, um, uh, you have uh, Sasha Banks working with an injured back and doing ridiculous high spots. <laughs> and, and, and certainly not helping that injured back by falling on her back very horribly many times. So. Yeah, there's some tough motherfuckers on this SummerSlam show. Let's, uh, let's break down the card here real quick. Uh, did you watch any of the pre-show? I jumped in with the Dudley tag. I did not see. Okay. And I <laughs> wanted to see 
that eight man or 12. Yeah, it was pretty good. The 12 man was pretty sweet. It was like an everybody get on the card thing, but the crowd was nuts for it because the crowd loves so many of these guys. They love Jordan and Gable. Uh, even to an extent, they gave like, you know, cheerful reactions to Ryder and Raleigh. Uh, and they really loved uh, Breeze and Fandango. So it was a lot of fun in that respect where the crowd was just going nuts almost the entire time of this match. And, you know, it's the first match of the, of the entire show or whatever. But yeah, it was a, I wouldn't say it was like an awesome match. So you have to go out your way and see or whatever, but it was, it was fun. I mean, it was everybody doing their, their you know, getting their shit in or whatever. But uh, the crowd was really into it. It was a lot of fun. I'll, I'll give it that. It was of pre-show matches. It, like those can sometimes get really awful. It's like the Usos versus whoever, and those are just terrible. But this was a lot of fun. I, I like this idea of just this everybody get on the card type match. I love my C level tag teams. Yeah. Oh, and, and there were plenty of them here. And it's just loaded with them, and it went fourteen minutes. The Ascension. You got the Ascension finally. I know. Right? I listen. I, I ironic. I ironically love these guys. I love watching them. You know, get beat like the Shadows in nineteen eighty eight. I love that shit. So, and I see it got fourteen minutes. So I'm definitely going to go back and watch it. Uh, Zane and Neville uh, beat the Dudleys, and this uh, the whole story of this was that the Dudleys you know, had some miscommunication, and it was, oh, they're going to break up pretty soon, and we'll talk about that maybe here a little bit, and Zane and Neville were, were fine. It was, um, they, they had a little, a nice little kind of tag team mixed to them. Like, I thought it was cool, but the whole time I was thinking, man, I wish Sami Zayn was in a better spot. Like, it really kind of sucks, and then I kind of wish Neville's in a better spot, too, and the Dudleys are just terrible. I mean, Devon is so bad now. Uh, Bubba's still fine, but Devon was just horrendous in this match, and it, it, it basically, I think in my review I even said, I, I can't wait till Devon retires, and it looks like I might have gotten my wish. Uh, but unfortunately, the other half of the team might be uh, uh, departing as well, so there's always uh, an issue there, but we'll talk about that uh, maybe in a little hey, bit. Well, and then listen, if Bubba goes back to TNA and does his character there, I have no problem. Oh, fine. You Good. get out of that mix, yeah. and and the thing with Sami Zayn, quickly, I just wanted to get in there, is I, I'm not ready to push the panic button on how they're using them. Look, Sometimes you get lost in the shuffle. I will, I will, I will give them the benefit of the doubt that that that's simply what happened here uh, with Sami Zayn, um, provided that they use him better moving forward. I, it's not something I'm going to go nuts about. Check back with me in a month. Yeah, and I thought one of the cool things about this match, and, and it's another testament to, to Sami Zayn just being as awesome as he is, is that those two dudes, and they're, and they're both great as well, they looked like they had been tag team for you know 20 years. It, 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 I don't know if you saw enough in the match to really get that idea, but they were doing like double team moves. They were doing like, you know, being like fiery baby faces. It was like, these guys are so good that you can put Sami Zayn in any situation, including just a thrown together tag team with Neville, and he's, he's going to excel in it and be awesome in it. And it looks like he's done that. It looks like they've been in team for 20 years. And this was just another match on the road of, of their their constant tag team like they're he's they're both so good and Zane is so awesome too he's one of the best wrestlers in the world and he's driven to succeed so that's what you're mm-hmm. gonna get good performances uh Seamus Cesaro what'd you think of this one I I don't know I could take it or leave it I thought it was a- yeah people were going nuts about it I, I enjoyed it um but yeah like people were going oh that was spectacular or, that was great or whatever no. I think it's a good start to the, the best of seven series but yeah I don't know if it was like spectacular I mean like it's a match I will never ever watch or ever think about ever again oh, God, you know no, no. fine yeah I mean it was okay but yeah I was kind of surprised to see so many people just kind of throwing roses at it. I mean again I'm not putting it down it was fine but I, I don't know yeah it just it, it was okay that, wasn't, yeah, that wasn't even close to a great match it wasn't even a, a a fraction of what these two guys are capable to get. They've had much better matches together, just these two guys. And I think it it really just reeked of a match where you can tell that they were saving things for down the line. They know they got six more matches left. I think they got a lot left in the tank here. I think this will probably wind up being the least impressive of the entire series. I thought this was firmly a three-star match. I didn't think it was special at all, and it's not anything I would ever want to uh, watch again. 
All right, uh, Jericho and Owens uh, defeating Enzo in big cast was the uh, opening match of the actual SummerSlam show. Um, I thought it was a solid match. Uh, I love the Jericho Owens tag team. I think it's just awesome. Like again, like I part of me wants Kevin Owens to be in a bigger spot, but then the other part of me is like, I just love this tag team so much. And and I've you know there was a few months ago where I said Jericho, just go away. You're terrible. You got to retire. I, I'm all on board of this run. I love this run of Chris Jericho, and I think him being in a tag team. And I think I mentioned this in the review as well. Is that I think that's probably the perfect thing for him now, is because he's not a guy that I think can really handle everything on his own like we saw a few real uneven matches against ambrose and a few real uneven ones against like styles or whatever and like just it wasn't really working with jericho and he seemed like a step slow or whatever but in a tag team setting it's perfect because he only has to do you know half the stuff and he can really play off uh his character a little bit better and and just i i, I thought this was just perfect tag team work from jericho and owens really fun stuff enzo and cast were fine they were you know enzo and cast weren't very good and um i think you know jericho and owens a lot of people were upset that they won but i think that's absolutely the right decision i say go with this team a little bit longer don't break them up right away. Oh, I agree. Look, I, I, I've been on this Jericho bandwagon for a while. I mean, you know, even at the beginning of the run, when when people weren't, um, were, were, you know, and there's still a lot of people who aren't, who aren't. But here's the thing with Jericho, he's one of the few guys in wrestling who gets genuine heat. Like, mm-hmm. like it's not, and it's not go away heat. It's genuine heel heat. And 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 I think there's a lot to say for that. This is the hardest era ever to get genuine heel heat, and he does. So, um, and, and I do, I think him and Owens work so well together, you know, when they put them together on Raw, I wasn't, I sort of wasn't sure where they were going with that. And I wasn't sure if I was on board with it because I thought it might, you know, slow down Owens progress, but I think they do a great job together. And I do think it was the right call for them to win that match. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's the future is cast. We all know that it's not Enzo, um, as charismatic as Enzo is, there's a clear ceiling on that guy. Um, so yeah, I had no problem with the finish either, and I think that the uh, the I, I would like to see more of the Owens Jericho pairing too. Yeah, and Enzo and Cass are not a team that really like wins and losses don't really matter to them. You know, you know, like people worrying about the, like they can lose every match forever, and it's whatever. You you know, like does it really matter? all that much uh, they're, they're, they're super over and they're going to come out and that they're going to continue to be super over because yeah, because like, enzo has is just loaded with charisma and um you know i i sort of worry about um is he even colin cassidy anymore or is it just big Cass? like what is the deal with that um yeah they just call him big Cass all the time now i don't know if he is actually colin cassidy anymore you know I, that's a good question yeah i sort of worry about him com says yeah they, they're always good for because they'll always have the official like worked name on there let's go to Absolutely. superstars and find out they don't uh, they don't mess around there I, I worry if they split them up too soon if he'll if he will exude the same charisma on his own i think at some point he could I, I think it would be a mistake to break them up too soon, though, because he's still feeding off of Enzo. Oh, he he is officially Big Cass. No more Colin Cass. Right here, this right here is Big Cass. Yeah, there's not a single word about, let me see. Nope, nothing Colin on his entire site. So he is officially Big Cass. There you go. 100%. So. And he's in a four-way for the Universal title <laughs> next week. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, what, what do you think of the idea... Of just pulling a Kento Miyahara and just going all the way with this guy next week, because a lot of people think that that could happen. Uh, yeah, I've had a fr- I've had a buddy that's been big on that for a few months now, of saying, you know, why not just try it and do it? You know, I honestly, in, in the brand split era, 
that's the time to do it. And it wouldn't be that ridiculous. Like, like the same thing happened with JBL. And there's almost the exact same circumstances as well. I forgot. Uh, someone got hurt on SmackDown. I forgot who it was. Maybe Eddie or, or someone like that. And they just said, fuck it. We'll go with a, <laughs> we'll go with a Bradshaw. We'll call him JBL. And he wins the title. And we'll just do it. Like, whatever. Who cares? Like, we got it. We'll see what happens. And it worked out well. They got, you know, six, seven years out of that guy of being a main eventer when there was no chance in hell that the guy was going to be. You know what? Part of me says, you know, I, I think I, I don't know if it would fail. I kind of feel like it will. But you know, why not? You know, what do you have to lose, really? I think it'd be a big. What, what's the guy's ceiling? I mean, what's the guy's ceiling when he's just doing this tag team? Like, it's fine. They'll get over and they're fun and happy, go lucky, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's cool. But there's a ceiling to that. Like this, you, you try it out and see what happens. Maybe you strike gold and maybe you become something big. But I, yeah, I, it could fail. But it's not like your your company completely depends on it. You have the SmackDown side too. You still have that other champion or whatever. And and yeah, I I, I would say uh, it's it's it, it's crazy. But you know. <laughs> Sometimes those things work. Like, I would be kind of okay. It feels fresh and different, though. And that's kind of a cool thing. And that would be fun to see that it kind of comes out of nowhere. I think it's way too soon. It would be an enormous mistake because I think um, the, the the difference, your JBL comp. Well, he was a veteran at that you point. Got, yeah, yeah, you got a veteran guy. Right. I mean, he can't work on his own. I mean, Cass, yeah, that's going to be a problem. We don't know. I mean, we have no, first of all, we have no evidence he can work a WWE style 25 minute main event. And that would be a big problem if he can't. We have no – we're not sure if, if – like what I just talked about, he's still feeding off of Enzo. Uh, I, I suppose you can keep Enzo with him. Um, I, the other thing is JBL, like you said, was a veteran. And the other thing, the important thing about JBL too, he had the respect of the locker room at that point in time. He was a locker room leader. This guy just came up from NXT. Okay, he's been there right. for 10 minutes. So the, he's also going to have all the pressure from the rest of the roster being, uh, you know, the, the jealousy issues and all of that that comes along. We know how the wrestling business is. So I think on, on just about every level, I think it would be a mistake. With that said, I, look, I don't think he's the favorite going into that match. In fact, I think he's probably firmly the fourth option. Would not completely shock me, though, if he won the match. All right. Uh, then we had Charlotte defeating Sasha Banks. As you mentioned, this was a, um, a just a wild match. Like it, it started off and it was it was ugly, and Charlotte was botching a bunch of stuff, and Sasha herself was not doing great. It was like they, these two people had never been in the ring with each other or with anybody else before. It just was super sloppy. And then about halfway through. I kind of had this realization of like, I know it's sloppy, but I kind of like that it's this sloppy. Like it's, it looked like a fight. Like it looked like just a genuine, like these people don't like each other and they're out to hurt one another. It's like so often we see these, uh, you know, particularly the women's matches or whatever. And, and they're, they're so fluid and they're so good and that sort of thing. And it's like, you rarely do you see like a vicious, brutal women's match. And this is absolutely what that was. Like the stuff that they were doing was just sick. And like, I, I there was multiple times where I, I, it felt like a Sabu match between these two, which is like insane that Charlotte and Sasha Banks would have a match like this but yeah halfway through i was all in on kind of the the brutality of it and i really enjoyed this i thought the result was pretty terrible i didn't know about sasha's injury at that point or at least how bad it was so i was kind of upset that she lost the title you know only a few months or you know a month or whatever after winning it but yeah by and large i love this match because I, I i thought the sloppiness started to work in its favor which is very like i feel weird saying that but i don't know if you have the same idea too because i i just i came away with it going that was pretty awesome it was really brutal and <laughs> like that you know i was okay with it yeah i think sabu was a great comp it sort of did feel like a Sabu match where you had because like you know the work was poor, but the high spots and the you felt danger when you were watching this match and 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 for all the wrong reasons, but then because everyone came out of it all right, it was okay, you know, and that's sort of how Sabu would make you feel sometimes, and it kind of also felt 
like I think your comparison calling it a Sabu match is better, but I was going to say it felt like a 1989 New Japan match where, yeah, you know it's a work, but you kind of feel like, you know, these guys are really laying into each other. This is, uh, you know, this is kind of, this is very stiff, you know? And, and this felt stiff, and this felt, like you said, it felt real. But I think for all the wrong reasons, it was because the work was poor, not because they, <laughs> right, right, not right. because they were going for that. But either way, at the end of the day, it's still the end result was still something that that felt kind of different. And and you're right, it, it did kind of turn me by the end. I can't sit here and tell you that I thought it was a good match. I definitely can't sit here and tell you I thought it was a great match. Was I perversely entertained by this? I was. I, I think we have the same feeling, and neither one of us know how to properly convey it because we were both. Entertained by this mess, but we kind of guilty about it. I don't know if I should have been entertained by this. Yeah, there were multiple times throughout the match where, where I was watching with my buddy and I when we were like, you know, that oh my god, and then we were like watching the replay. And I, like he would look away for a minute. And I went, oh my god, and I was like, watch this replay. Like Sasha just falls on her back or whatever, and the, like there was just multiple times where I was like, holy crap, like, it, like you got to watch this replay and see what they did. And it's like, oh, that looks brutal and that's awful. And like you could hear the crowd doing the same thing too. Like a replay would go on or like a, a move would happen, and they had the same sort of like ooh, like you don't get that with like uh and people weren't like cheering for either side they were basically just like oh my god these people are going to kill themselves in this ring and that it's like it's so bizarre and it was so different from any other women's match i've ever seen in this company like i've never seen a women's match like this on this company uh that that was anything like this like this brutal and this just yeah visceral i don't know what it was it's really weird it was just strange i felt i I did feel kind of bad liking it i was like man they almost died and like i really liked it i like yeah i i get that where it's a little conflicting that's why i think your sabu comparison is better than my late 80s new japan comparison because these two couldn't they couldn't replicate this match if they tried because part of the reason it was so compelling is because they were bad you know and then that that that's kind of like where sabu came in sometimes you know and it's like the new japan guys were being stiff and nasty towards each other on purpose these two just couldn't get on the same page and then they didn't give a fuck. They just did all their wacky high spots they had planned anyway. Whether it was meteoras from the top rope to the floor <laughs> or God, how brutal was that? That was one where I was just like, don't do that. Uh, fuck. And and I still don't know what Charlotte was going for when she dropped Sasha on her head. Yeah, that's the thing too. People had some conflicting things. Was she trying to do like uh like I'm gonna take you uh, you're gonna be on the top and then you're gonna fall all the way down and then i'm gonna give you a backbreaker but it's like they come to a corner like she's either gonna snap her neck on the side or she's gonna like tumble like she did like i don't know what the plan was there and either way charlotte bailed on her it, it, <laughs> right, which, is which i mean she just i don't know if she was gonna drop her into like a roderick strong style wacky backbreaker or drop her over the turnbuckle whatever she had planned she fucking bailed out which i mean you can't do that i mean i don't know what the fuck was going on with that and then less than 30 seconds later they went for like a top rope hurricane rana <laughs> yeah the whole time when they're setting it up it was just like no 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 and that one actually i, I remember i watched the I, so it happened and i went oh wow nobody got hurt and then my buddy said no i think sasha landed like directly on her head and i went oh i don't i think she was okay and then they showed the replay and you just see sasha land right on the crown of her head right on her and fucking I went, head i was like okay the worst spot to possibly land on your head she was like inches from a broken neck yeah. You know, and I think everyone held their breath collectively when they went up for that <laughs> spot because they were still shaken from the previous botch. You know, these are human beings. 
You know, Charlotte probably felt like shit for bailing out. Sasha's still shaking up from falling on her head the first time. And then they're going for this, like a, like a fucking, I don't know what they were, it turned into a Hurricane Rana, but I think it was like a setup for like an avalanche power. I don't know what the fuck they were, I don't know what they were doing this entire match. But I mean, yeah, everyone collectively held their breath and it, it was inches from disaster. But yeah, what a, what a, what a weird match it was. Yeah, it's just strange. Uh, the Miz versus Apollo Crews, I will not lie, I have absolutely zero memories of this match even existing. So, Well, you know what it was? It was an hour two Raw match, which was just perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, these were the guys that got cut on time. Yes, on a four and a half hour show, they cut time from a match. Uh, th- this only got about five minutes. So these were the guys that got short shafted. Apollo Crews crammed all his shit in there in those five minutes, though, because <laughs> this is a man desperate to get over, and he was the least over guy on the show. I mean, he came out, and this was pre-AJ AJ Styles and Cena killed the crowd. There's no question about it. Nothing could follow AJ Styles and Cena. Uh, these two guys came on before that match, and Crews just got nothing. Nobody gives a fuck. There's yeah, there you gotta you gotta do something with him. You gotta one way or another something like you just can't keep trotting him out. Like I mean, you're you're doing absolutely nothing to this guy. His confidence. I mean, he's still smiling and looking like he's happy and ready to go. But your confidence has to be shot, right? If you're a power, you coming out to 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 crickets. Like nobody cares whatsoever. And this match, no, it was it was a formality. This was absolute a check the phone match, catch up on text, catch up on Twitter, go to the bat. Like nobody cared at all about this match from from at, at any point. I mean, there wasn't a peep out of anybody because there was no doubt that that Miz was going to win anyway. So you know, it was it, just a. a, a Real bad, bad showing from from Cruz here, and it's nothing of really his fault. But it's like you know, you got to do something here. I, I don't know what, but you just can't keep forging ahead like this. From his NXT debut until the draft, he had very spotty performances, which weren't helping. And we all knew that this guy was spotty coming in. Anyone who's watched him for years knows that he's not a guy who goes out there and is a, is a wrestling machine. He has spotty performances. But from the draft to SummerSlam, I think his performances have been excellent, bell to bell. The problem now. Now that he's starting to get it in the ring and he's understanding how to work in this company, because I do think they rushed him through the system to some extent. The problem now is we don't have any reason to give a fuck about Apollo Crews, which is something you've been harping on for a while. And I think they really, if they want to give this guy a fair shake, clearly they like him. He was pushed hard on the uh, – what was that gimmick called on the network with the William Shatner? The 20 – what would they call that show? Uh, 24-7, yeah. You, or the – yeah. Was it 24 – no, 24-7 is the UFC thing. Uh, yeah, I think 24, it was 24. No, 24. WWE yeah, 24. He was pushed hard on that. They rushed him through the system. They like him. Well, you know what? Then fucking give us a reason to care about him. Give you know, yes, guy that smiles is not enough for me to care about you. Sorry. You know, so you know, it's kind of unfair to him. But yeah, this is the match where you'll go back in five years – and watch this show and not remember that it happened until and then you go, oh yeah, the Miz and Apollo Crews happened on this show. You know, it's the match you'll completely forget about. Uh, we talked about style Cena, so we'll pass that one up. And then uh, where all the time went was John Stewart's really, really horrible pre-match promo and the backstage stuff, which I, which was just like, I, and I enjoy John Stewart, but this was just horrendous stuff. He needs to never ever come back in WWE television ever again. Like, and he doesn't look well. No, he does. He looks very odd. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. There's a gauntness a, to him. He's just like, yeah. There's a color. It's not. It's not necessarily the skinniness because people bring up the skinniness and yeah, whatever. You know, guys that you know. But it's it's yeah. His, his it's just oddly colored. His skin doesn't look right. You know, it's like uh, this yellow. Yeah, he's he looks bizarre. But yeah, this was uh, just a weird pre-match thing. They had a backstage promo where you know Stephanie had to emasculate somebody, so she emasculated John Stewart because uh, how could it possibly a SummerSlam go without or any uh, WWE event go on without Stephanie uh, talking down to somebody? 
uh, and not getting any revenge on her. Um, and then, yeah, so then he came out and did a really terrible promo. The fans did not care. They booed, uh, especially following Styles Cena was particularly awful. Uh, I guess nobody could really follow that, but particularly having, you know, John Stewart cut a not funny promo was probably not the best way to do it. Uh, and then Anderson and Gallows and, and the New Day had a match that uh, ended in a DQ and was really not any good. So, <laughs> any thoughts on this match? I hated it. I hated the segments. I pretty much this entire thing I could burn and, and never think about again and be happy with it. Not a good match. I hated all Nothing this. Nothing here yeah. for me. This was a device to get a pop for Biggie running down the aisle, which would they succeeded in. So, yeah. from that perspective, that was fine, but uh, just a waste of time. Yeah, it was one of those matches, too, where it ended, like, you didn't really know why it, like, it just kind of ended because things were happening. It's just like, yeah, it was designed for Biggie to run down and drink out of the jar of, of testicle juice. You know what I mean? Like, that. that's that's all. This is so. such a feud straight out of 1998. Like, the only thing missing with this entire feud is, like, Tory managing clubs. Yeah, I saw your tweet. Right? Wouldn't that right? just fit yeah. like a glove? Like, Yeah, Tory was the, the manager of Gallows and Anderson, yeah. Right, and they do these dumb segments in the doctor coats with the fucking testicles. And the only difference here is nobody ate the testicles, but they almost did because he drank the formaldehyde. Like, they even almost ate the testicles, which they would have done in 1998. In 98, they would have, like, cooked it in something and then, like, told him that he ate the testicles. You, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, somebody would have tricked yeah. him into eating the testicles. Like, that would be the thing. So. Yeah, and then they'd be spitting them out in the back or something. Or they would have shoved them in their mouths after this match or something. Yeah. Actually, what would have happened is Tori would have hit on them. And then they would have, like, Big E would have wanted to have sex with Tori. Uh, then Tori would somehow trick him into eating his own testicles. Would be, I <laughs> Correct. Think, what, Correct. What Vin Russo would do, and then they would call her a bitch or something like that, or a whore, and then they'd beat her up, and then you know, put her through a table, and then beat Gallows and Anderson. It's- Someone would be eating testicles. That's the point here. But and it almost happened. You know, now, so this was just such a, a, a silly <laughs> attitude era style feud, and and apparently it's over because they've both moved. Both teams seem to have moved on to other things, right? So yeah, I, well, very strange. That- not for us. Not our, not our angle. Uh, Ambrose, Dolph Ziggler. So I was super pumped about this match. Super pumped about the bill. I thought the bill was incredible. The fans just did not care. There was no even for a second that Dolph Ziggler was going to win this match, which, which to be fair, like he really hadn't had a good run up into this point. They just kind of lit a fire under him. And, and WWE used to be very good about doing that, of saying, okay, this guy's going for the title now, so let's do this. And I think they did a decent job in the build of, of lighting him up, but the fans just, they, they knew damn well that Dolph Ziggler was not going to win this match. And they're so, you know, Dolph is not where he was, you know, three years ago where people would actually believe, oh man, I really hope he wins this. Or, oh, like they've beaten it so out of people with Dolph Ziggler, so there was just no care in the world here and then the match i don't think it was very good it was 15 minutes and it was just kind of boring i i was just ready for it to be over i there was nothing i liked about this match at all i thought the work was good i don't think it was the fault of the work that the fans weren't into this i think what this proves is there is no rehabbing Dolph Ziggler at this point um even for a one-off title shot like this one um it's just they've they've the fans are they've they've so destroyed because the build was great. They I wouldn't have changed a thing with the build. I thought both guys were great in the build. We talked about it for weeks. So the build wasn't the problem. This was not a cake build. This was a solid build. I thought the match was fine. There was nothing wrong with the work. The problem here, I think this just is the final nail in the coffin for Dolph Ziggler. There is no rehabbing this man. Because if this program didn't do it, I don't think anything will. I think the fan they've just beaten it out of the fans when it comes to Dolph Ziggler. And I think especially when you 
take in what that build was all about. It was, you know, Ziggler saying, you know, I never get these chances. I, you know, finally, I, I want this chance. You know, I want to prove that I'm not just here to steal the show and do all that. And, and, and Ambrose's thing too was very much like, you know, you can talk all you want about stealing the show, but you never win. You never do that. And then Ziggler just loses. And you know what I mean? Like, how do you come back from that now? Yeah. He's, like, he's, you really, he's, like, that's it. Like, yeah, that's, uh-huh. that's kind of it. Like, he's still you the can't guy that really, always loses. Yeah. Right. You like, you like, if the build is that you're a guy who loses all the big ones and you only care about stealing the show and you've had all these opportunities and nothing's ever came of it or you haven't gotten opportunities and now here's your fight and then you just lose like you're kind of done right like you can't light that up again that's over you know when it, the, the when it was it for him that survivor series where he was the sole survivor against the authority team remember that match oh yeah yeah and and people were all excited about Dolph Ziggler and i was like the only fucking reason he was the sole survivor in that match is because he was the best suited to sell for the last 20 minutes of that match I knew they had no plans to do anything with him at that point. But that sort of lit a fire under the fans again when it came to Dolph Ziggler. His performance in that match was very good. And people thought he – you go back and read message mm-hmm. boards and Twitter. People thought he was getting pushed off of that performance because he was the last guy left. When it was pretty obvious to me, it was just he, his skills were best suited to be the last guy left in that match. And, and they didn't push him, and it's never been the same since with him. I really think that was the point of no return when they didn't push him off of that Survivor Series match. Uh, then we had uh, Alexa Bliss, Natalia, and the returning Nikki Bella, the returning and always improving Nikki Bella versus uh, Carmella, Becky Lynch, and Naomi. Uh, what did you think of this one? Because I thought it was uh, real bad. And I, I don't know whose idea it was to have Carmella be in the ring like the m- most of the time selling, but whoever had that idea. I, I don't know if that was a, hey, let's throw her in the fire and see what happens, but uh, it did not work out very well. Uh, uh, Ricky Morton, she is not <laughs> Carmella. So. I thought it was confusing right off the bat because Nikki Bella was on the heel team. Now, I understand they were in a tricky spot with Eva Marie. I understand they wanted to return Nikki Bella for the big pop, but right there, the whole dynamic was off. <laughs> right. I mean, because were they presenting her as a heel? I don't know. You can't present her as a heel because everyone's going to cheer her. Like she's obviously massive. She's going to be massively popular coming out for her return. And um, I saw the angle that they did on Talking Smack, where Carmella attacked her. You know, coined as a double turn. That was either in the Observer or somewhere else. I read that, and I'm thinking Nikki was a heel. I I didn't. I I know she was on this heel team, but she didn't have the. Was she a heel before she left? I don't remember. I think she's she's been kind of a face for a while now, hasn't she? I can't remember what she was before. But she didn't have heel mannerisms in this match. She didn't behave like a heel, and she didn't get the reception of a heel. And she wasn't acting like a heel on Talking Smack either. So I, I don't know. I don't. This match was just fucking weird. Carmella fucking sucks. She's so she's, bad. There's nothing redeeming about this person other than she's she seems like a nice person. Other than that, she's not fit for this business, at least not in this role. She stinks. She can't wrestle. She's no good. Um, she's by far the worst person in this match. Um, Naomi just totally stole the gear of that woman who did the job for Nia Jax a couple weeks ago on Raw, and she's totally getting away with it, which I think is is kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, she stole that person's gear, but I mean, um, you know, except now it lights up. Um, it's a very weird gimmick. I don't know what the hell that whole thing is, but it's just kind of. It kind of looks cool, but I mean, I, I mean, if it's someone else's gear, I mean, she just blatantly stole the gear. Um, but but yeah, this was a weird match. It wasn't good at all. Um, somehow it got over ten minutes. Uh, you know, really long show. I guess you could. <laughs> like eight of those was I, Carmella taking all the. I did. I that might. I, sw- I that had to be a rip, right? Why would anyone have sympathy for Carmella when she never gets a pop and no one cares about her? 
That's what I mean. Hitler, but they just had her getting hot. beaten down, beaten down, and beaten down. And I'm like, oh my god, make the tag, please. And finally, she did. And nobody, like nobody, cared. yeah. It was just a really, really weird match. That yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, we'll never have to talk about that ever again. <laughs> that was over. Uh, Balor Rollins. We talked about that one. Rusev versus Roman Reigns. Not really a match. Never got started. Of course, Roman Reigns attacked Rusev. They brawled on the outside. Uh, was declared a, not even a no contest. The match never even started. Roman Reigns came back after you know beating on Rusev and speared him in the eye away. What would you make of this whole segment? Because I thought it was uh, uh, there was a little bit of a bizarre uh, confusion of what was kind of going on here. But what, what did you make of I this? I don't like that they did the match on Raw instead of SummerSlam, and I don't like I, I don't like any of this. This was a cheap way to get around having nobody do a job. Um, they didn't want Roman to lose. They didn't want Rusev to lose again because they beat him on Raw. It's just fucking weird. Why not just I, – I, look, clearly they didn't want Roman to lose, and they felt the only way out of that was having Roman win the non-title match on Raw and then do this on the pay-per-view. Because if you don't, they didn't want to put the U.S. title on him, and they didn't want him to lose. And this was the only way to accomplish that without like you know a DQ or something. But this was effectively what that was. So right. it's, it's just – I don't understand. You know, If you're going to do bullshit like this on the pay-per-view – um, you know, why not just not do the match on Raw and do the bullshit finish here and you could still have Roman come out on the on 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 the better end of the brawl and break his ribs and do all that if you wanted it. I just it just bothers me that they did the match on Raw. But this is the post pay-per-view era where they can pull shit like that. I don't think they would have done the match on Raw if this were a traditional pay-per-view. No, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, that, that that's not something that we, they would have done. But yeah, it just it, it it was it was bizarre. It was weird. But at this point, in the I, I was kind of okay with it because it was like, all right, let's get to the main event here. It's you know three hours and forty five minutes in this show, so I was kind of okay with it. But yeah, it was a very bizarre uh, angle and uh, the the whole idea. I, I don't know what they're going for either. I know that they wanted people to cheer Roman Reigns and you know he's beating up Rusev and that's a, but I I don't know. People just don't like this. Is not a way to get like taking a match away from people is not also not a very good way to to really get him cheered. But I I don't know they. Like you're right. They didn't want anybody to lose. They didn't know what to do, so they just kind of threw it away. They had a, too much stuff going on in this card anyway, so no chance. And then, uh, of course, Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton in the main event. We talked about that one. So uh, you want to move on to NXT then? SummerSlam, just very quickly as a whole. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I give thought your whole... it was a very uneven show with, um, you know, obviously style. You know, you take away style Cena from this show, what are you left with? Not a lot. <sighs> Yeah, it's not a great show if that match isn't on there. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the next best match. I mean, probably the, the Balor-Rollins, which is solid. And, uh, wow, yeah. If you didn't like Brock yeah. Orton, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, if you didn't. You really, yeah, you really didn't like much. Because really <laughs> I like that. I like Styles and Cena, and I liked Balor-Rollins, but I know a lot of people did not like... Um, there's a lot of people that were uneven about a lot of those matches, so I, I don't know. Yeah, this is Overall, not be, a good four hours for you, no. The old Wrestling Observer vernacular, got to be a thumbs-down show, right? Um, I maybe thumbs in the middle for me. I would go thumbs in the middle because I like the Lesnar Orton and I like the, mm-hmm. and I like the Baller uh, Rollins. Yeah, yeah. If you don't like those matches, there's a thumb down show. You got one match on, and it was four and a half fucking hours. <sighs> it was long too, and I watched all the pre-show too, which <laughs> that was just so like man, it was like four or five o'clock and that thing was on and it was on until you know eleven. It was just oh, my you God, know what? So We're gonna do this when we do Super J Cup later. No more fucking four-hour wrestling shows unless it's, I, yes. unless it, unless you're WrestleMania or Wrestle Kingdom. No more four-hour enough. Unless there's thirty thousand people plus in the stadium, you're you're done in three I, hours. I'm done with your th- with your four, with your four hour wrestling shows. Unless you're one of those two shows, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. done with it. I can't do I can't do it. Enough is enough. This was too long. 
I was tired the next day, too, especially like because I'm doing the the review for the site, so I'm just I have to like I have to really watch. It's like I can't really like go away and do something and come back, and I can't like oh I'll watch it tomorrow or whatever. One you know I, I had to sit there and like I was getting sores. I was like oh my god this thing is and there wasn't like any intermittent. There was no like because I I thought they were gonna do some like flow ride concert or some stupid thing like that. And I said oh good I can kind of get up and move around or whatever. But like I was just there and sitting and then like it, it was just too much, especially compounded with the rest of the weekend that was going on. It was just like there was I mean no yeah I, I'm right with you on unless. Unless you got 40,000 people in the stadium, and unless it's WrestleMania, Wrestle Kingdom, or something big, no, no more four-hour shows. It's just too long, and, and the crowds just can't take it, and, and it's just it's too much wrestling. Like, I was – Monday, the last thing I wanted to do was watch any wrestling ever again, you, you know? And then, like, a lot of things happened, which we'll talk about maybe here in a little bit, but, like, I was just so burnt out. But, yeah, no, four-hour shows, please, please no more. Yeah, burns out the ever. crowds and everything else, you know, it's it's – they're sitting there forever, and imagine having tickets to all three of those shows in a row. I mean, you know, you're, you, it fucking kills you. How can you be enthusiastic on Monday? Well, I mean, you can you can look at this as is I will not go to a WrestleMania now. Like I, my entire life, I said, you know what? I don't care. I will go to a WrestleMania after last year, whatever the hell that WrestleMania was, or this year's WrestleMania. There is not a chance in hell if I go to WrestleMania weekend anywhere that I'm going to WrestleMania. I mean, I'm just not going to do it because that's what it's going to be now. You don't, you can't come back from that. You know what I mean? Like you can't all of a sudden start running three hour WrestleManias again. No, you, you can only go forward. I think if I think eventually the Royal Rumble weekend is going to be like this, and you know if because here's the thing. They can't make WrestleMania any bigger. They ran WrestleMania in the biggest fucking stadium in, in, in the world, effectively, right? Unless you're going to run some Olympic stadium. So, but realistically, that stadium in Dallas is the biggest stadium. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's a bigger one in Qatar or something like that that we don't know. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, for like, all intent and purpose, that's the biggest place that they can run WrestleMania. They did it. They have filled the place for the most part. They cannot make WrestleMania weekend any bigger. So how do you grow now? You create a second WrestleMania weekend, which is this SummerSlam weekend. And to me, SummerSlam is a bigger show than the Royal Rumble now. Uh, people can argue with me all day on Twitter. This is a bigger show than the Royal Rumble now, and it's treated bigger. It's always been. I, I don't, that was a very weird argument that people were having on Twitter. It's always been presented as the second biggest show of the and, and to me, I think you, this is their only area of growth now. I think you're, they're going to do the same thing eventually in January for the Rumble. And then when they grow that one to these same proportions, they're going to move on to a fourth show, whatever one that's going to be in there. Because, listen, you're in business. It's your job to grow. And you can't grow WrestleMania anymore. So, unfortunately, I think we're going to get more four-hour shows, more back-to-back-to-back four hours, and, 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 and rather than less. This is just – it's only going to get worse. I'm trying to look up biggest arenas in the world. It looks like there's this, uh, like the, the North Korea place. Uh, you could go there. You can maybe run 150 uh, people there. Um, yeah, that's kind of it. Like, otherwise, it's like football stadiums. You know what I mean? Like Michigan, the big house or whatever. I think you can put like you know, 106,000 in there or something like that. Like, that's basically it. Like, that, the next highest you can go is, yeah, you can go to North Korea or uh, it looks like Michigan Stadium, the big house in, in Michigan is where you can go. Get 107,000. Other than that, yeah, you're pretty. Or, or the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Melbourne, Australia. So maybe the WrestleMania will be from there. But yeah, I think the odds um, of them running a WrestleMania on sixteen-hour tape delay <laughs> are pretty slim. What about? Uh, oh right. Oh, you're back in the woods, Kyle Field, College Station, Texas. Hey, and believe me, I I've lived through the renovations. Uh, so hundred and two thousand, right? And, uh, and coming and to they, WrestleMania in College Station, they squeeze more with. And by the way, it has no parking lot, so <laughs> <laughs> the stadium has no. I, I'm not making that up. Oh, you can charge for parking, right? You can probably make a killing. Like I that. probably could. People do for the football games they put signs in their front yard thirty dollars you can park in my drive but they really built a hundred and two seat stadium and didn't build a parking lot there is there is a token like quote-unquote parking lot in the front of the stadium that 
really. But that house is like a hundred cars. But here's the thing: like no one's allowed, and they're like workers. Yes, and they're not probably, allowed to park yeah. there. It's like <laughs> right. It's like the TV crew. Yeah. So there's no part. So effectively, yeah, there's like a hundred spaces, and it's for like people who are working. You know, coaches, whatever the case. There's no parking lot. It's it's. I'm looking. Uh, yeah, I'm looking right here on your. Uh, I'm doing a little Google Map search. I cannot find the nearest parking lot. There's um, there's no parking lot. There's an apartment complex. Yeah, there's no okay. parking there's- decks. And direct, oh god! And directly across, there's no, there is no parking, Rich. It's the when there are home football games here, Texas A&M football games. That entire half of the city shuts the fuck down because you can't drive. There's just everyone's walking. They're in the streets. People parking on lawns. People, like I said, people sell their driveways for like thirty dollars, fifty dollars. If te- if a big, if another big team is in town, a hundred dollars parking my driveway. It's 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 madness. There's nowhere. To, there's no parking. Looks like there's about twenty spots at the uh, Louis uh, Louis Pierce Pavilion. You could park there. And a lot of these places will, will not let you park on game day, and they'll put up gates and prevent people from parking because they're running. oh around the Reed Arena. You got a, a little bit of parking. Maybe get about five hundred cars in that you can one. Park so. at Reed Arena. And again, it's like across the street. So I'm sure you're looking at Google Maps or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, it's just no parking. And and look, I get it. You know, half of the place is students who are just walking. And I, you know, and they live, you know, 30 seconds away. But there's also a lot of alumni that come into town, people who drive from other, from Houston. There's a lot of alumni. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's huge. And, yeah. and they, they come in. There's nowhere to fucking park. And the town just becomes a fucking, becomes fucking madness. <laughs> so believe me, I know. Sounds great. I yeah. So, uh, you do not wanna, so you do not want to WrestleMania in College Station, Texas. And if they, and if they do, I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to have a million people sleeping in my house because, you know, why wouldn't they? You know, you run, we can run an indie show. We can run a grimy indie show in your backyard. We can do that. Holy shit. Now you got my mind working. The, the Martinez promotion can run in your backyard. And, and it's okay that there's nowhere to park because no one can park for WrestleMania. Either. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. So there's no park. We had to, that's a good idea. I get Martinez on the phone. Okay? Mm-hmm. And we get Martinez. Pre- now you're thinking, Rich. And then we make some money there. You know, It's not a bad idea at all. Yeah, Rob Viper and then Cubs fan book it for us. We're good. Yeah, we can, we can run our own shows. Absolutely. Imagine having that crew sleeping all over my couch. That <laughs> I like yeah. Pentagon Jr. just sprawled out on your yeah. back deck. Or FedEx <laughs> sleeping in a tub with a pillow. Like, uh, <laughs> right. you know, that'd be fantastic. It's not a bad idea at all. NXT take over Brooklyn 2. Before we get into the card here, Joe, what were your thoughts on this show? Because I thought, uh, you know, I have not watched the Evolve card, so I can't say for certain. But I, I, having watched everything else, this was just so far and away the best show of the entire weekend for me. Without question. I don't even think it's yeah, debatable. Yeah. This was easily the best show of the weekend with my personal disclaimer that I did not see Ring of Honor. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. I watched half of Ring of Honor. Solid show. I mean, really good. But, yeah, I don't think it was on the level of, of TakeOver. You know my tastes. Am I going to think it's better? Um, you're going to think it was okay. Uh, you might like it more than you like standard Ring of Honor shows. I think it was much better than the pay-per-view offerings they've had uh, over the past year. I think I think you're not going to love it. You're not going to like it more than TakeOver. I know that for a fact, but I think you'll enjoy it more than you think you'll enjoy it when it's all done. Okay. I'll watch it then because I wasn't Yeah. Uh, no, it, it was solid. It was really good. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it in a little bit more detail here in a bit. But uh, let's talk about TakeOver Brooklyn here. Uh, I'm going to jump to the main event first because that's one I definitely want to talk about. And then we'll talk about what I think was the second best match of the um, the entire weekend. And, and you sort of alluded to it as well. Uh, but let's talk about the main event here. Nakamura defeating Samoa Joe to win the NXT title. I saw some conflicting stuff about this. Were you conflicted about this match? Did you not like it as much as all? Because like, there was a lot of people that really enjoyed it, and there were a lot that just did not like it, thought that the pace was kind of bad. Just It didn't quite click for a lot of people, and I'm kind of one of those. I like the finishing stretch, but I don't know. By and large, I don't know if it was that great of a match. What did you think of it? Very disappointing match. Okay. Um, a good match, not even a very good match, just a good match. It was just a match. 
what was missing? I, I could I watched it and I was done. And I actually re- I actually rewatched this match, thinking, okay, maybe I wasn't focused. I wasn't doing, you know, I was kind of do- running back and forth. So I watched it again, and it, it, it still like just just something was missing, and I could not really put my finger on what it was. Pacing was terrible. It was worked slow and deliberate, like it was this hard hitting battle. And I even tweeted at the time. I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like, holy shit, this show ends in three minutes, and they haven't even come close to hitting the closing stretch yet. So I tweeted out that the pacing was bad and, and they better hurry up because they're running out of time. And you know they could run a little bit over on the network, but they never run like 15 minutes over. It was pretty obvious that this match was ending soon and they, had not, they, had not, they hadn't hit that second gear. And then I'm watching this and I'm watching Samoa Joe going for muscle busters and Nakamura. And then I, it, it dawned on me, Rich. It occurred to me, holy shit, this is the closing stretch. It's just flat. There is no second gear to this match. They're hitting the finish. And sure enough, two minutes later, the match was over. And other than like the final 40 seconds, my right. God, that this was, me too. was a yeah. disappointing match. It was 19 minutes of like guys just kind of trading blows back and forth, but with real no, there was no purpose. Like, And Joe's so good about that usually as well. Like Joe's usually good at, at adding some sort of, some kind of brutality or whatever, but there just wasn't that. And Nakamura's just kind of like, you know, hitting those knee strikes, but nothing felt impactful. Nothing felt dangerous. It, it just this match lacked any sort of character, any sort of. I, I just don't know how to describe it. And I think that's the thing that I couldn't really put my finger on. Is it was like I can't really call it hard hitting. I can't really call it brutal. I can't really call it like good back and forth. I, I just I couldn't define what this match was supposed to be or what the plan was. It was just like it felt very much like a, a super like a thirty year old main event match where it was just like. You know what I mean? Like it's just—it was so different, especially on this card with these guys who are both capable of having great matches. I, it just didn't work. I don't—I don't know. I, and I was into the build. I was—I I love both guys. I was into, it, but yeah, I don't know what it was. It was like, like, like you said, the last forty seconds was all that really got going. But even the build to that is—I was kind of surprised too. I was like, oh, okay, all right, it's over. All right, like. There was no, you know, build towards that. There was no build towards the end. It was just the end. Like, you know, he hits that really good, you know, the Kinshasa a few times, which was cool. And, you know, there's the one that hits the, the, the jaw and they kind of play up the broken jaw thing or whatever. And that was cool and that was fun, but it was like, that's it. And it, I, I don't know. It just lacked something. I would have almost done the broken jaw thing like halfway through the match and then try to see if Samoa Joe can kind of work his way through it or something like that. But to have it be the finish and then just kind of hits it and then it's over, I, I don't know. It was just a very uneven, weird, disappointing match that I, I just can't put my finger on why, uh, why it happened. I know what they were going for. It just didn't work. They were going for a slow, methodical, hard-hitting match, and it didn't come off that way to me. It mm. just came off as guys doing stuff until the final 40 seconds. It didn't connect with me emotionally. It didn't, and these are two guys that I'm super into. There's no reason that this match shouldn't have connected with me. Um, it, it, it just didn't hit me on any level that I was watching anything special. And considering who was involved, it should have. This should have been a special match. And it didn't even produce, I don't even think a special, I don't even think the, the finish was all that great. It was a good finish. It, it had some punch. He really nailed him with that knee and... Uh, you know, they worked the dislocated jaw. We found out after the fact, you know, in the Observer that that was all work. And I think they did a good job with that. And they fooled everybody and all that. And it was well worked. But there was nothing special about this match. It was very disappointing. And um, I assume they're going to do a second one and probably a third one. Since that seems to be the, the pattern in NXT. That they'll at least do a second one. Um, 
I really have my doubts. Now I, I, I'm now I have my doubts that maybe they just don't work well together. Sometimes guys just don't work well together. On the other hand, I'll, I don't remember who made this analogy, but many years ago on a message board, I someone described Shinsuke Nakamura back. You know, he was still at New Japan at this point, and um, their description of him was a 230 hitter who hits 40 home runs a year because of his inconsistencies. Okay, yeah, I can see that. that. It's a really good comp- – when you really think it's, about yeah. it, that really mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. He's a, a Todd Frazier, if you will. Yes, yes. Thanks a lot, by the way, for that Todd Frazier thing. That's, that's been really I, Listen, real I took so much abuse in the first month of the season from you – admit it, from you White Sox fans. <laughs> you guys were beating me up. You're like, oh, thanks for Todd Frazier. And I'm like, all right, just remember that second half you had last year. We'll see. You know, and It was like that week after that we all – told you it, it went downhill and it's never gotten back since then but yeah um no i like that yeah it's it's solid like an adam dunn type uh, that sort of guy where like yeah he'll hit those big home runs of a three home run game he'll really blow you away in one match or you know in one game or, or, or you know there'll be a stretch of a week or something like that but yeah but by and large you're just getting a lot of strikeouts like you know in between that you're getting a lot of walks and strikeouts and it's not very fun it's not very exciting but when he hits one of those dingers it goes 500 feet and it's awesome but that's pretty good i i think that that's yeah this was this was one of those strikeouts, though, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I can't call it a bad match, but I can't sit here and tell you it was anything more than good. It was it was two really good workers who 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 the work was fine, but this match just didn't move me at all. all right, they weren't phoning it in, and there was the floor was fine for it. It was okay, but yeah, it just they didn't take enough risks to make it a great match. They were just like, let's just do this thing for you know twenty minutes and then and close this thing out. Yeah, I, I yeah, it just I don't know. Nakamura's charisma is so fucking off the charts though that he they can carry him through a match like this because he still got a great reaction when he won and his entrance was unbelievable. His entrances are always unbelievable, you know. Oh, that that was one of the, my favorite entrances I've ever seen ever. I mean, that was just awesome. Yeah. So I mean, that the violin guy coming out and stuff, and and then and then again, it was awesome because Joe then had to kind of like walk, you, you know, like we talked about with Okada or with other guys. Like that's always one of my best visuals ever is when like the other guy now after like this elaborate entrance, then that other guy has to come out. Like I think one of the really cool ones, uh, WrestleMania 13, is you know Austin gets all the glass broken for him and all that sort of stuff because obviously they're going to try to you know put him over as a babyface, and then. Brett has to come out next and he's got to like step over this glass and he's like kicking it out of the way like this mother fucking company you know and like that's what his character was at that time like the fuck like what is this glass shit doing here like why is this happening I'm being screwed over again like I love that when the, the, the next guy has to come out and sort of just be like what the hell is going on here like yeah and, and it's like one one cool thing Samoa Joe did though when they cut to him in the tunnel at one point I don't know if you caught this they showed him in the tunnel like before the match, like getting ready to come down for the match, and he was surrounded by security guards, and he just fucking shoved one into the wall. And it was just, <laughs> it was just so fucking cool, and I'm just like, I love this fucking guy. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, the match just didn't deliver. And look, you know, veteran Shinsuke Nakamura watchers who have been watching him for years, uh, even before his, you know, charisma explosion when he was just the literal just king of strong style the boring black tighted you know ex-mma fighter deal you know he's always been inconsistent it's always been an issue with him in the macro and the micro even look at uh singular g1s where night to night he's so inconsistent you know one night he'll go out there and give you a two and three quarter star match and then the next night he's having a five star match you know and that's just on the same tour there's just something with this guy where he's just wildly inconsistent, but you know, he's so cur- he's so charismatic, it doesn't fucking matter. 
Yeah, and he's another guy as well. I think we had this discussion kind of in our, our Slack group a little bit earlier where there are people that what we love, you know, we, we when we as, you know, this wrestling fan or this podcast or a lot of fans of the site, you know, we look at the work rate. Oh, how, how was this match or how did this rate or whatever? But there are thousands of people that, that probably love the hell out of this match because Nakamura won and they love Nakamura. You know what I mean? Like they didn't care that exactly. there was an attempt at brutality and it didn't work or that it was a bore. Like those people popped like crazy when he won. They chanted his music while the match was going on. Like, they don't care about, like, that the booking of the match was, you know, weird. You know what I mean? Like, and he's one of those guys that's going to go through, you know, he, to his credit, too. Like, I think he realized that as well that, you know, hey, I don't have to go kill myself here. I can do basic stuff and the crowd's still going to love me and people aren't going to hate him all of a sudden. Like, he, I'm sure he came out, they did tapings today as we're recording. I'm sure when he came out, people went fucking nuts for him and they didn't say, oh, he was very disappointing at TakeOver Brooklyn, too. Like, I don't know about that main event. They, they fucking love the guy. So it's like, it doesn't really matter all that much to him. No. No, that match was a success. Okay. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This is a nerdy show where we talk about the quality of matches. These are, <laughs> these are two very different things. And I will tell you this. I will tell you this, Rich. They made a huge mistake two nights later on Monday Night Raw. The opening of Monday Night Raw, when all these different people were coming out saying that they wanted a shot at the Universal title, lobbying to the GMs or whatever, the last person who should have came out, Nakamura's music should have hit. Yeah, just that all you need is that violin thing too. Just that one, you know, and that's that's another thing I love about his music and it's the best thing about when 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 wrestling music works is that first fucking note, if that's awesome and you know who that is in 0.2 seconds, that guy's a star. You know what I mean? Like anytime that that happens, those guys are just that's the best type of music for a guy. And Nakamura within 0.2 seconds of his song, you know who that is. That's all that needed to play on Raw and people would have went absolutely Put yourself shit. back in that on that Raw. They're all – everyone's arguing in the ring. Kevin Owens is making fun of Enzo, which I thought was great. At one point, he pointed at Enzo and was like, <laughs> like you? <laughs> why is this guy here? Like with that Kevin Owens look on his face. And he's right. He's right. But, you know, that's why he's so great because he just he, – he, he's not afraid to state the – but then while they're all bickering and the GMs are splitting people up, if his music would have hit and they would have had the guts to say, you know what? We're short on baby. Look at that match, what it ended up coming down to, Rich. It's Big Cass who is not ready. And it's Roman Reigns who nobody likes. Those are the two baby faces in the match. How desperate are they? If they would have had Nakamura come out in that moment, that would have been a springboard to superstardom for that man. Nothing they do with Nakamura will top what they could have done this past Monday if he came out on that ramp as the final man and they showed some guts, okay? And he won his match and he got into that four-way next week and they put the fucking title on him. Who's a better choice than him? There isn't one. He's the best choice, okay? He's the best choice, and they should have shown some guts and, and, and done that. Fuck your NXT storylines. Fuck whatever you have planned for the next day. <laughs> it's NXT. Who gives a shit? Raw is in dire need of a babyface. This company is in dire need of a star. The one that you were going to push to the moon is out for a long time. It's bad luck, but it happens. The replacement should have been Nakamura. And then you just, who cares about the, like, then people are like, oh, what do you do with that? Who cares? You vacated. Who gives <laughs> it's a, a developmental shit? Brand. It's the, yeah, that, no, we had a whole, we had a whole day today where, where people, and I guess we can kind of parlay this into a report that went out in the Observer. And, and again, I think he got it from, there's a, uh, Dave got it from, there's a part of the WWE Network that shows the most watched shows and the most pop, I think they, I think they branded it as most popular shows or whatever. And we have no idea if that's actually scientific, if it's curated, if they make the list or whatever. Regardless of what it was, your list was NXT TakeOver Brooklyn was number one, and then SummerSlam was number two. 
and we had a big discussion about that on Twitter where people were saying, oh, well, you know, SummerSlam was, you know, four hours and it wasn't very good and Brooklyn was good and like people were watching it live SummerSlam, but maybe on VOD Brooklyn or whatever. It's a developmental brand. And that's, I think people lose sight of the fact that, because we thought, hey, I'm not going to get into that because I think if we want to, we can get into that in a little bit. But that's a big deal that, you know, the developmental brand was at any point more watched than SummerSlam, if that is even scientific at all or whatever. But I think people are losing sight of the fact that what NXT is and what it's supposed to be and what I understand what it's become. I understand that it's, it's, it's Triple H's little vanity project and he has fun with it and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, if it's not producing things for your main roster, if it's not producing stuff for the flagship, the big thing, the thing that makes the money in the company, because by the way, NXT doesn't make any damn money. Is if, if you're curious, like WWE makes tons of money, you know, doing their and and that, that's what it's for. So yeah, I know it might affect the next weeks, ta- you know, the next seven weeks of tapings or whatever. But fuck it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's worth it if that guy becomes your bona fide star on Raw. People start watching, people start tuning in. You get a whole new, you get Japan all in, and they're into it, and they're going, oh my god, you know, let's watch because one of our former, you know, stars is in there, and it's different because it's culture shock. It's a Japanese guy that's on top of the card. That's what you want. Like you don't want to say, well we got to protect the next seven weeks of NXT tapings. You know, like, or he can do both. Like, I guess it's not that wild to do both, but it's just crazy that what people have this idea now of that NXT is this thing that you can't mess with. You got to let it, you have to let the stories ride out in NXT and it's got to do this. No, it's a developmental break. Well, you know why people when guys are ready, rich. they're ready. You know why like, people think that, Rich? Because it's better. No, and I agree. Like, in, in my world, Nakamura would stay there forever because I think he's going to be like in my world, Balor would have never, you know, I, Balor, maybe he, he probably reaches point. But guys like a Zane or for me, I don't care if Nakamura is in NXT forever. I'm probably OK with it. I'm sure he'll be treated better there. I'm going to like his stuff probably more in yeah, but, yeah, NXT. But from a business standpoint, exactly. I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's impossible to defend. There's always two different things here that we talk about. There's the selfish wrestling fan part of us that nerd out over matches where you're absolutely right. I'd rather see him in NXT too. But there's the – you have to talk about the business aspect too or at least – I guess you don't have to but we do on this show. And that would have been I, – I, you know, I, I – I, convinced myself Nakamura was coming out at the end of that segment because to me it was such a no-brainer well the problem is they they had like a weird delay where like nothing kind of happened and there were just people talking or nobody was like on the mic but there was just like arguments going on in the ring and there was like silence and then it just kind of ended and I was like yeah I mean to me it was just it was it was the perfect solution to all of their problems you know and and yeah the the hoops that people were jumping through look we don't know if that top 10 list is accurate we don't know when the numbers were pulled. It's the same list that WWE Network News, that website, I believe I got their, the mm-hmm. name right. They do a nice job. They cover the network. They put out that top 10 list every week, and I believe it's the same list. That's where Dave got this from the same place that they do, which is on the network where you can pull up the top 10 shows. And it's very – look, this list could have been curated based on Sunday night, which would have made sense because NXT had a full day's jump and all that. But here's the thing. NXT should not be in the same stratosphere as SummerSlam ever in terms of how many views it gets. SummerSlam is pushed on television in front of, you know, how many millions of viewers, three and a half million viewers for Raw, two million plus viewers for SmackDown every week, whatever you're getting from the BNC shows or whatever. And NXT is an internet show. (laughs) I mean, another thing too, during during SummerSlam, they showed that like every one of the stars of WWE were on, you know, any, every morning talk show, every news broadcast, everything. They're on ESPN. They're on like, ESPN's not going, hey, you know, TakeOver Brooklyn's coming up on Saturday on the WWE Network. Go make sure to watch that. Like, they're talking about SummerSlam. They're talking about WWE, the main roster. Like I can't, I can't, be- I couldn't believe people would even say, "Well, I mean, NXT was better, so of course it would be." Like, it, it, no. But, <laughs> like, but see, that goes to show such a, you know, that's just a reflection of what a poor job they've done 
on the main roster compared to the job that they've done with NXT. Because look at it this way, Rich. 1.7 million people own the network. Is that, cor- is that accurate or close to accurate? Isn't that- uh, yeah, I think that's what that – yeah, I don't know what the exact number is these and days. That is, yeah, somewhere in that. And that is your hardest of your hardcore fan. That, and now look, we know that just because 1.7 million people own the network, that not even a fraction of that is watching NXT. Okay, I think it's safe to say that all 1.7 million people who own the network aren't watching NXT on a weekly basis. There's probably plenty of people who own the network who watch it for the pay-per-views. They watch it for fucking uh, 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 Renee Young unfiltered. They watch it for fucking Foley's fucking gimmick. And you know what I mean? And they're not interested in the development. But for the sake of argument, even if 1.7 million of those people are watching NXT every week, it's still not even half of the total WWE audience. Uh, First of all, all of those people overlap. With the millions of people who watch uh, on TV every week, you know what I mean. So it's like, it just—it's a very poor reflection, in my opinion. Even if the numbers came out early, even if the numbers aren't entirely accurate, it shouldn't even be in the same stratosphere as the show. SummerSlam, NXT doesn't get promoted, pushed, or hyped to to an even arguable amount that SummerSlam does. For all the reasons you just said, all the mainstream reasons and everything else, all of the focus is on promoting SummerSlam. Zero of the focus is on pushing TakeOver. Zero. None. Nothing. Samoa Joe and Shinsuke Nakamura were not doing press junkets. Okay? They showed up for their match. It shouldn't even be in the same... It doesn't matter which show is better. That means nothing. How many times do we have to be taught that, 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 that match quality means very little? But it goes to show that to the hardcore base that buys the network, the main roster is doing a horrendous job, and the mm-hmm. NXT roster is hitting us all where we need to be hit. It's ticking all of our boxes for it even to be in the same neighborhood as SummerSlam. That, to me, that's the big takeaway here because it shouldn't even, it shouldn't even be close. You go look at those top ten lists when, after WrestleMania. WrestleMania was like number one or in the top five for like two months. And like previous, yeah, like you're saying, the previous WrestleManias, I remember the whatever WrestleMania 31 or something like that was up there for. Well, did 31 just happen? What, what's the one that? 32, right? What number? Oh, 32 just happened. Yeah, okay, yeah. So I'm right. Yeah, so 31 was up there for like it was like July, and that was still the number That's one. That's what I mean. Yeah. And it was just like Jesus, stop watching this WrestleMania, people. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, what are you idiots doing? Who are still watching? But that 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 goes to it. I mean, again, like people were watching that stuff forever. Like we, and that's not. I mean, that was the same list. We don't know. Yeah, again, but like we don't know when it was curated, all that sort of stuff. But there was a time where yeah, the WrestleMania 31 would be like number one on that list in July, and it's like, God, what are you doing? But we're at a point now where freaking NXT is beating SummerSlam, and that's just unbelievable. Look, I, look, I don't know if I made any sense in that rant. Probably not, because I was like a man. But here's the point. If at, there is no logical reason, there's no good reason you can give me that NXT should be beating SummerSlam in view. It, it, it just shouldn't be. That's embarrassing. I'm sorry. That's embarrassing for the company if that's the case and shows what a piss poor job they're doing with the main roster. All right, let's break down the rest of this card here. Uh, we'll start out with the opener. Austin Aries defeating No Way Jose. Um Actually, I was kind of surprised. I came onto this show, I did my idea, and I wrote it in my little notes, and I said, okay, my hot take is going to be, I love this match. This was good. No way, Jose, who I've, I had not really enjoyed so far. I really loved him. Austin Aries was a guy that I've kind of been uneven on for uh, the past few years. This, I thought, was one of his best performances in years. I love this match. It was great. And then you on Twitter, like two hours before we record, go, oh, my God, no one's talking about how great that match is. And I was like, God damn it. People are going to think we agree. But I love this. I thought it was awesome. I gave it four stars. Great opener. I thought it was that good. I thought Austin Aries did a tremendous job with this guy. Um, Austin Aries, let me tell you something about Austin Aries, okay? 
He's not a good wrestler. He's a great pro wrestler. Not good. Not good. He's great. He is a great pro wrestler. Vastly underrated. Doesn't get nearly the credit he deserves. This guy's great at pro wrestling. And he was great from start to finish in this match. From entrance through the angle. This guy was great. And this match, I'll tell you, you know, I, I, I've no, you know, this was by far the best No Way Jose performance in NXT. I know. Oh, oh, God, it's not even close. I don't, yeah, he he held his own. There was multiple times through the match. I was like, oh, he's gonna see this. He's gonna fuck this. Oh, he was great. He was solid the entire his time. Mannerisms he, were great. His facial yeah. expressions were great. He had the bloody mouth, which helped. That was a very good visual. And uh, Austin Aries was just tremendous. He was bouncing around the ring, making this guy look like a million bucks, taking you know crazy bumps. Austin Aries, thirty-eight years old, but the thing about Austin Aries is. He has a young body. He takes care of himself. He stays in good shape. He's a vegan, all of those things. And he's a guy who I could easily see being like one of these uh, Masaki Mochizuki, Minoru Tanaka you know, types, Taka Mishinoku, where he's very good until he's 50. I, yeah, not many major injuries either, I don't think. No. I think he's been pretty clean for the most part. You know, can't you see him being really good until he's like 50 years old? I mean, he, I, he strikes me as one of those guys mm-hmm. where it's like, when is he going to age? You know, so I, you know, but he also strikes me as a guy where I don't really see them moving him up to the main roster either. I think, and that might be okay. It won't be good for his wallet, but I think it's a good role for him to be this guy who kind. Look at the people. I think they know how good he is. Look at the people that he works with. They gave him a program with Baron Corbin right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Now they give him a program with with this No Way Jose. He's in there with people who are a little bit green. You know what I mean? And, and need the guidance of a solid veteran hand that, that, that this guy is. So I think that they recognize how good he is. And this is a good role for him to work with guys like that. I really think it is because you know, this, this guy is a great pro wrestler. And I thought this was a borderline for the time. It got. this was a pretty damn good opener. You doesn't get much better than this for an opener. Uh, we'll move on now. Oh, def- guys, how about the pre the, the post matches? So Aries is attacking uh, No Way Jose. Uh, Hideo Itami runs in for the save. Uh, gets a huge reaction when he comes out. Uh, Aries starts attacking. Well, Adami, uh, first off, Itami kind of loosens his suit a little bit, which I thought was a, the visuals of this. This was an incredible post match thing. I was all on board with this, jumping up and uh, like I, I loved it. So Itami comes out in his suit. You know, he's looking a little dapper. He kind of slowly but surely kind of starts taking his jacket off, sort of loosening his tie or whatever. Aries starts attacking him, and then Itami just fires back up. And it was it wasn't Kenta. It wasn't Kenta, but it, it, there was hints of it. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't the brutality of, of Kenta just slapping the shit out of him, but he get, he gave him pretty good. So the fans just start going nuts and. And this, you know, he knocks Aries down, and the fans are chanting for the GTS, and and Tommy goes, you know what, and starts loosens that fucking tie and throws it to the ground, you know, rips his shirt open a little bit and hits him with the GTS, and the crowd just fucking goes nuts. How awesome! What is a that? great angle this was. I mean, this was fantastic. The look on Aries' face when the music hit, okay, and then Tommy comes down to save No Way Jose because Aries would not let go of the. Uh, he used to call it the Horns of Aries. What does he call it now? The la- Last oh, Chancery. Last Chancery. Yeah, Last Chancery. That's right. So he's uh, – how did I remember Horns of Aries from like 2003? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> – you can't remember like – you don't know like guys' moves from like – Yeah. Like we're going to talk about the Jacob and you're not going to be able to know any of the guys' no. moves. But yeah, you knew the <laughs> – The name he used 15 years ago for this hold. So the Last Chancery doesn't let go. Atami comes down, which I think is important because that then Atami doesn't look like an asshole. He doesn't look like a dick. 
like Roman Reigns has looked breaking up Rusev's wedding party. <laughs> Throwing him in a cake. Like, what are you like, doing, man? man? Get married. Like, he's saving the other baby face, right? Because right. he won't let go of the hold. And It's so simple. Wrestling is not hard. You know, it's one of the easiest things in the world. And, like, and NXT is doing it better. And it's right. there was nothing. There was nothing dramatic. It was just, hey, leave him alone. You're not going to leave him alone. Well, fuck you then. I'll beat you the shit yeah, out of you. And, and, and it should be no surprise yeah. that on their network with their hardest of the hardcore fan base, the NXT shows are nipping at the heels of their second biggest show of the year. This is why. Because it just does it better. Okay? And, and you're right. It wasn't quite Kenta, but God, it was close. He hit the Kenta rush, and then he hit the fucking go to sleep. No flying fucking boot or whatever the fuck that, that he used. No. Kenta rush, go to sleep. And he was dressed like a Japanese hipster, like his pal Marafuji, which he used to do back in the day, too. So this was almost Kenta. It was very close. It was, yeah. He shoes without the socks and everything, okay? He had his little rolled-up fucking cuffs, okay? It, this was almost Kenta. It was so fucking close. You know, he's, you're right, though. He didn't have that, scow- that classic Kenta scowl, you know? And I, 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 I hope we get it. I don't know if they're ever going to give that to us. But this was fucking close, man. And if he this big this next taping is going to be so big for him, if he goes in there and just kills dudes the way that we know Kenta can kill dudes, and he just he just they just give him free reign on his move set, and he's allowed to do the shit that he wasn't allowed to do before for what various reasons. They, because this, he, I was were you a little surprised at the pop he got when his music hit? Because um, a little bit, yeah. I wasn't surprised at the GTS pop, but yeah, it, it, it shows that people still want him to be something and i, I was they believe well and that's because i was shocked by that because i'm thinking man it, it's been like a good year and a half since this guy there are probably a lot of fans that maybe don't even i, I mean let, let's honestly when, when we see when was the last like it's not even because i don't want to just say when he came into nxt because it's like he was not really a big deal in noah for a few years you know what i mean like when's the last time kento was like a big mainstream deal well he he was the top guy in noah when he left but no, right? Was but already, like nobody cared about. Yeah, nobody gave a shit about Noah. Yeah. So like, you're talking what? Like 2006, he, 2007 is like Ring of Honor. Oh, when you mean like, when he was like a big worldwide star? Yeah, that, Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2005 through about 2009, I would okay, say nine so, when he when he had the big year in both Ring of Honor and Japan, and then he blew out his knee, and mm-hmm. then it was never really the same after that when he came back from the knee injury in terms of his star power. Some of it having to do with the decline of his company, but I that's the. the you, but that's your point that you're making here. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of people that might not even really know the whole hype or really kind of get why this guy's a big deal. But yeah, they believe and they want to believe, and that's something that's cool about uh, NXT as well is that they've they the, the they don't make these guys like people cheer. They're rooting just as much for that guy coming back from an injury as they are for the character of Hideo Itami or the character. What you know what I mean? Like they are rooting for that guy. They're glad to see him back. And, and like, that's the thing that the, the main roster WWE can never get is that these guys are humans. And that if you make fans cheer for humans versus superstars or, you know what I mean? Like that's something where they, they're, they're, they want Itami to come. They want him to be happy. They want him to wrestle. And then when the, the little, even the little wrinkle of the GTS comes in, and I actually wanted to ask this to you because we had somebody on Twitter ask us, would you have saved the GTS? And I said, absolutely. No, I would have absolutely done the gts here because you need to you had a lot of fire into this guy this guy's been you know dilly-dallying for two years now he's been in nxt for you know two and a half three years not really doing anything like you got a lot of fire in this guy right away and that was the best moment i mean he did that and he came out of that as a fucking superstar i agree you don't save it you're absolutely right you do it right then there because it, it establishes oh okay this is the motherfucker that we signed that we never got before he got hurt it, it establishes it right away 
that this is the guy that we because remember when they first brought him in rich that was a big deal he was one of the first big name outsiders that nxt brought in and it was a big fucking deal and um you know he's kind of become old news because all of these other people have come now since whether it's obviously nakamura is the big one but kota abushi samoa joe austin aries you go right down the line rude with this stupid fucking song we can talk about that next and it's like he, it felt like he was going to come back and be old news. I was shocked at the level of pop that he got, uh, but it looks like he's got a little momentum here. Uh, move on to Ember Moon, Billy Kay. What do you think of Ember Moon's debut? I don't think her debut could have went any better if you fucking scripted it out on a piece of paper. I thought this was beautiful. I thought she nailed the fucking O face or whatever. Yeah, I was worried. I started going up and I went, oh, here we go. Because like Corey Graves was like, what is she doing? What's she setting up for? And I was like, I know. I hope it works. And it worked. Yeah, Billy Kay did a great job of that. Because like you said, I think you talked about it on the podcast last week. It is not just you know Ember or Athena or whatever. It's not her doing like 100%. Like that, uh, that opponent needs to do do it perfectly for it to work and for it to work well. And to Billy Kay's credit, she nailed it. I've seen so many indie geeks blow that spot, and and it's it's like it's not an easy move to pull off. Uh, Kay was great. Um, I, I thought she came off as like the perfect psychosis for this match, as just a great base for everything that 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 Ember Moon was doing. I really don't think this debut could have went any better. I, I, what would you have changed? I mean, it just went perfect. She looked great. She nailed her finisher. She got over. Uh, her opponent was perfect and did a great job. This was a tremendous debut. I, 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 I thought it was fantastic. And, and Rich, I'm someone who last week was kind of down on, 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 on Athena. And I talked about that. And, and I was worried for Athena because she has been slapped. This was perfect, though. Picture perfect. I thought this was a great – this was a home run debut. Uh, Bobby Roode, Andrea Seen Almas. Is that his name? I don't even know what his name is. It's Andrea Almas, whatever. The former La Sombra, uh, who I'm not convinced is actually La Sombra, and somebody has to actually give me proof to, to do that. People, a few people sent me stuff over the weekend of like, no, it's the same person. I, I really don't believe it, though, because that La Sombra guy had a lot of charisma and was, was good, and this Almas guy is, is really not. But uh, Bobby Roode, I mean, th- this was all about his entrance, him coming out, the hype around Bobby Roode. The match itself, it was fine. Um, it, it just, I don't know. It, like the crowd was way into rude because they love his theme song and it's Bobby Roode and it's kind of fun like that or whatever. But I, the focus of me was like, all right, what's this almost guy going to do? What's the next step for him? And then he just loses. And I had a feeling he was probably going to lose. But now you look at it and you go, man, like that. It, I, I don't. It, like, is it over? Is it done already with him? Um, because this was a showcase for Rude oh, and not for there's Almas. No question, yeah, I mean, which is bad news right. for Almas. Where you're putting him in a situation now where he's just putting other guys over. Um, first of all, Bobby Roode hit the fucking lottery with that theme song. Because there's no fucking way that dry ass fucking Bobby Roode is over to even close to the extent that he's over without that song. It is 100% that song. It's amazing. how First of all, how great that song is and how much it's helping that this man get over. And I was thinking about it today. I'm sitting there rewatching the show, and I'm thinking, motherfucker, Austin Aries should have this guy's song. <laughs> picture, pi- seriously, picture Austin Aries with that entrance in that song, coming down from the fucking pedestal, because his his cocky ass demeanor fits it even better. 
Yeah, it doesn't really work with Rude. Like, it, it, Rude is like, because he's kind of like this high class guy or whatever, but the music is, I don't know, it is kind of interesting in that sense. I, I, I like your theory that Ares should have that. It would work so much better with Ares, and I think Ares is better anyway. And I th- but, 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 Ares is short, you see. So, you know, that's, that's, yeah, and, that thing, and Bobby yeah. Roode is 6'2". So, I mean, but I mean, Aries works circles around Bobby Roode and he's more charismatic. And, you know, it, it, the only problem with him is his height. I mean, and that song would work so much better with him. But that's not the, the point here is because of that entrance music and because of that amazing entrance that he had, I'm sitting there watching that match. I'm sitting there, wa- not even the match. I'm watching him do his ring walk and his entrance. And I'm thinking, this guy needs to be the champion of this brand. He needs to be the heel champion of NXT. He needs to be a feud with whoever, you know, if Nakamura wins, he needs to be the guy to beat Nakamura for this title at some point. And it's all on the basis of that fucking song. It's amazing how effective and that thing was stuck in my head for like two days after this, too. Yeah. <laughs> after I watched it, I couldn't get I was like, I don't even like it that much. It was just stuck in my head. That is a- I was like walking through doorways and like the song would just play in my head. And I was just like, all right. Like, Can you think you know? of another <laughs> star making entrance song? <sighs> I mean, Nakamura's is an example we brought up, but I mean, he's he's a star. You know, the, the song only helps it. You're trying to think of a guy who. Um, Completely over because of the song. And it was a long term thing because you can say, oh, Adam Rose. That that was a thing for a couple weeks. Remember? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I can't think of an example where a song made a star because this isn't going away people aren't going to get tired of this 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 guy is so lucky because he would not be over to this extent without this song he's it's fucking bobby rude (laughs) (laughs) jeez he's nothing special this guy's a five in every way you know it's amazing to me and i think he they should push or go all the way with him just on this song Look at the finisher he picked. He's doing a pump handle slam. What is this? Yeah, that's yeah, that's not great. I mean, shit, that doesn't even fit the character. At least if you're gonna like do a Ric Flair character, fucking do a figure four. We'll give you a pass. You're already ripping the guy off. I mean, shit, it's it's what a terrible finisher he picked. And we know he's not. He's a he's a five in every way. This song is amazing. What this song is. It's, yeah, it's incredible. And, yeah, he's going to go all the way to the top. He's going to be an NXT champion. He is. Too. He is, and he should be. And that song is going to be the reason. Why and it's, and it's because of an entrance song. I cannot That's, think of another example. The only even one that comes close. And again, this person isn't a star because of the song, so it's not a total fit. But the song is amazing and fits in my glove. Was that was the Okada when Okada came back in twelve? Mm-hmm. That song was great. And fits him like a glove and all that. But that's not the reason he began. Okada didn't get pushed because his song was great. But I mean, that's the last song that really hit you like, wow, that's a great entrance theme. Right. I, I can't think of one that fits this description. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brain. Maybe people that are listening can, can chime in on Twitter or the forums as well if they have anything but, um, that, that comes to mind. But yeah, nothing really top of mind for me. But I thought Almas was a little better here than you did. I thought he, he put in a good performance, but he had no chance. Nobody. Yeah, well, the thing about him is that, like, in ring, he's fine, and it's okay, but nobody cares about anything. Because he, he, and that was going to be my point, is that there was a lot of moves, and there was a lot of reversals, and there were a few times where you saw a little bit of the old Lissambro, and you're like, all right, there we go, and, like, the crowd just didn't care. And he kind of did this, like, I'll play to the crowd thing, and the crowd, it, it's just like, there's just no connection right now. He's in that ring, and you can tell he's, his confidence is shot. Because he's trying to play up different things, and the crowd's not really reacting. He tries to do this, and nobody really does any. Like I, I can see him thinking in his head, like, "Come on, like just give me something here." You know, like, that's a that's I, a point that Meltzer made. Meltzer said he felt like a guy who was just going from move to move 
but had to think hard about what he was going to – nothing was mm-hmm. coming natural was the point that Dave made. And that's similar to the point that you're making now. Um, I think it would almost – look, I'm going to keep harping on the mask thing. I know there's a million people who disagree. Everyone's screaming, oh, well, he had charisma without the mask in Mexico. Well, this isn't Mexico. This is a completely different dynamic. Yeah, not, they, don't, they don't force you to speak English in and, Mexico. And, so. and, I, and I think that I, it's a completely different dynamic. The English thing is a problem. We were told he was having trouble with English months before he even debuted. And I really think that he would be much better off with the mask because I think he'd be more comfortable with it too. I think right now you're seeing a guy who's so concerned with what his facial expressions are like and, and how he needs to act in the ring. It would almost be better if he could hide behind that mask. You know what I mean? Then he could just concentrate mm-hmm. on doing what he does between the ropes, which is great. And he doesn't lose any charisma with that mask. If you want to argue he did, that he has charisma without the mask, I disagree with you. I disagree strongly. Um, but I, I, you, I don't think anyone would argue that he doesn't have charisma with it. He had tons of charisma with the mask. Right, and you've got to put your talent in the best position to succeed. And if that's the best position for him to succeed, then so be it. If it's not, okay, great. Yeah, he's a good-looking dude, and you know maybe he can speak. And he does, but whatever. Like If that's not working and that's not the thing that's going to make him feel comfortable and get the most value out of him, then, then you've got to change it. I, I'm right with you. I think the most value at this point comes from him putting that mask back on and being that and just kind of stripping his character down. Because this is just not working. What are you getting out of this guy right now? If you put him in a, back in that mask... And you give him a giant, elaborate entrance like you gave Bobby Roode where he comes off larger than life? You don't think that guy's getting over? Give me a break. He'd get over in an instant. Yeah, and especially in this match, too, where it's like you had that entrance and then it was he like, no seeing all this. And then he just like slowly walks down like, ah. He comes out in his stupid hat and his dumb right. suspenders. I'm Andre Almas. And people just, uh, he, he was done. He was done. The second that music played, it was Rich over. They, no matter who Rich, in that ring again. booed yeah. him. <laughs> right, he's supposed to be the baby. Who gets booed in NXT? Everybody's over. <laughs> he got booed. His music hit, and they booed him. It's La Sombra. How do you fuck up La Sombra? I'll tell you how. Know. You take off his mask. So keep telling me that that's not the issue. Give me a break. What's up? What else is different? That's how you fuck up La Sombra. You take off his mask and you give him fucking goofy suspenders and a little top hat, yeah. like, <laughs> a little like, he's, hat like yeah. he's riding equestrian in the Olympics with his little fucking top hat and a little feather, okay? You're, you're very upset about the Olympic equestrian. Well, that was Sean Sloan. He made a great point. He said, look, if, you, if, if, if you're wearing a top hat while you're competing, <laughs> then, it, then it's not a sport. And he's right. I mean, how, he's right, right? It's a, good, it's a good barometer, yeah. If you're wearing a top hat, it can't really be a sport if you're wearing a top hat while you're competing. So he makes a good point with that. But that's what he looks like. He looks like he should be riding it. All he needs is the dumb coat. And he looks like he could be riding Yeah, he needs the, yeah, the, the navy blue coat, and he'd be yeah. perfect to go. All right. Uh, second best match of the weekend, in my mind, Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder defeating Gargano and Ciampa to retain the NXT Tag Team titles. I thought... Far and away the best match on this entire card. Well, there's only one match left to go, and I think it blew this one out of the water as well. Uh, I absolutely adored this match, and I, I even said, um, I said it on Twitter afterwards, and this is one of those matches, and the Revival's so good at this, that this is the timeless match that I feel like could be appreciated by people 20 years ago just as much as it's appreciated by us now and just as much as it would be appreciated 10 years down the line or 20 years down the line or whatever because it was just like a classic like there wasn't like, it, it didn't feel like it was a 2016 match it was just a very just it, it hit all the tag team 
you know, stuffed well, but it was a little bit fast paced. It had a nice little balance of the two things. And it's just like, it was just classic stuff. It was those guys doing distraction finishes, kickouts, you know, uh, getting the, getting the ref to pull in the ref out, you know, putting the leg on the ropes, you know, doing this, doing that. It was just like classic tag team stuff, like just basic stuff that you need, doing it really well. And the Gargano Champa just being their awesome sort of what, what they do. And they were a little bit quicker pace and they were obviously going for the big hits and the, and the, but there were times where like they were super close to winning and it was like that old school tag team thing where it's like that babyface team is just an inch away from winning and those damn heels like found one little way one little quick way like one second and they they you know they got the foot on the rope so they distracted the ref just enough to do this or whatever but i i adored this match. i thought this was an incredible match i i think i went four and a half stars with it one of my favorite matches of the entire weekend one of my favorite matches of the entire year i think at this point Absolutely love it. My favorite tag team match of the year, no doubt, as well. I, I adored it. I don't know about you. Better than the American Alpha matches, which were great. Right on par with Cena styles, although very different. I thought all four guys in this match were so awesome. And even with that said, I still think Johnny Gargano was the standout. Johnny Gargano was so good in this match that I'm sitting there watching it today for the third time, by the way. And I didn't get tired of the match even on the third viewing. It's such a good match. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this guy's a wrestler of the year contender. When you really put everything together, his work in Evolve, he's been involved in big angles in Evolve, he's been involved in big angles in this company, he's been involved in great matches in this company, Cruiserweight Classic, NXT, this match here. When you're talking wrestler of the year, and I'm talking in most outstanding vernacular, not necessarily Flair Thez and the one vernacular, in terms of the best bell-to-bell wrestler for the year, you've got to be – I think Gargano has to be in the conversation at this point. You know, I, I don't know if he'd be my pick when, when push came to shove, but I, I, I'm thinking about him. He was so good in this match, and there was a lot going on here beyond just the story of the match, which was great. They're working over Gargano's knee. The, the Revival's doing all their dirty fucking 1980s heel tactics. They're doing all their dirty tricks. And eventually, all that knee work paid off when they, when they locked him in the reverse figure four and, 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 and Ciampa wasn't there to save him. But there was a lot going on beyond that too because they're telling a larger story with Gargano and, and, and Ciampa. Okay, I'm going to pronounce his name different every time because I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. So I'm going to do it differently every time, and, and one of them will be What did right. you say last time? Ciampa, Ciampa. I think Ciampa. it's Ciampa. No, let's I, go with Ciampa. Ciampa? Okay, we'll go with Ciampa. Like C-O. No, wait, no, no. What, what was the second one you said? Ciampa? Ciampa. I always go Ciampa. I'll go Ciampa. I'm going to go Ciampa. Okay. Right, so, <laughs> Just to make it <laughs> – thank you. Yeah, yeah, let's, so, let's not agree on one and, and say it separately. Yeah, Perfect. And the, th- the third one will probably be the right one. I can't say it, and I can't spell his first name. But anyway, they're telling a larger story here. If you notice during this match, because Gargano is just such a great super baby face, right? You can't even like – he's just a super baby face. He's just, he's just so good. And it's like during this match, the little things – like there were little moments where he would shove Ciampa, Ciampa out of the way when like Dawson was coming to like slug him in the back. And those are little things. Like Ciampa doesn't do that for Gargano, okay? And, and it's like I'm not saying they're being obvious that there's a turn coming. But I think that they're laying subtle enough hints that people suspect that one is coming. They thought one was coming this night. But it's the little things that Gargano does that just enhance the fact that he's such a mega babyface. Like that, that one spot towards the end of the match after they thought they had it won. And the referee explained to them, no, Dawson's foot was on the ropes. And then they're sitting there and there's confusion. And then Wilder slides in under the bottom rope and goes after Tommaso, right? And, and Gargano pushes Tommaso out of the way and sacrifices himself. Like those little moments, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And there was stuff like that going on in this match beyond how great just the match was in its own little vacuum. 
it is one that I think will definitely like you should really rewatch it and find new little stuff because I think you get kind of caught up in everything that's going on while it's going on. But yeah, I would really recommend rewatching because I did the same and I enjoyed it even even more on the rewatch. Just a great match. Uh, definitely is going to pop up on some match of the year lists. I think there's no doubt about it. Somehow they managed to be even better than the American Alpha matches. Hey, hey you know why? Because because uh, uh, Tom- I'm going to go with Tommaso for now. Because Tommaso and Gargano are much better workers than Gable and Jordan, who are you know much earlier in their careers. These two guys are seasoned fucking veterans. So it's not a surprise that they went out there and had an even better match than the great matches that the Revival had with American Alpha. And one more thing about Revival. It's very early, and, and they've only had three or four high-profile matches, and they've all been great. If this team stays together, they can be an all-time great team in the history of wrestling, if mm-hmm. they stay together. They're well on that path, because... They've already had three or four classic matches in big spots. And their match template is not something. And again, I, I, I use that because I guess it's, it, there's really not a template to it. It's a very old school template where there's always these sort of tropes and things that you can kind of do. But they're not in a negative way. It's just what heel tag teams used to be very good at doing is those little things. And they're so good about it. And they do different ones every single time to the point where like you even like even me knowing, you know, whatever. I like I got frustrated when they like the, when they put when he slipped in and got the foot on the ropes. I was like, you motherfucker. Like, God damn it. Like, and that's perfect. Like, you want that. And the crowd gets that same way, too. Like, they make the crowd. They're so good at those. They're so good at the teases. Like they did so many times in this match, and the crowd is just pissed at them. Like, no, you took that moment away from us because they think Gargano and Chapa hit the, the awesome little, you know, you know the the knee and the, and the to the front and the back. Like, I don't know what the hell they call that move. I, I forgot. But like, that's your finish. Like, people are like, all right, cool, that's the finish. And they just those fuckers just find one little way. They find one little slippy way to do it, and they don't do it in a way that feels like. You know, we, we've come to a, the modern, you know, heels are just these slimy scumbags or whatever. These guys don't do it scummy. They're just doing it so they can win. They just really want to win the titles. You know what I mean? And, and they're not being bad people. They're just finding these little and they're not cheating at any point. Nothing that they do is cheating. They're just smarter than you. They're just a little bit faster, a little bit smarter. They're overthinking you. And that's that's great. That's that classic heel stuff, that heel tag team stuff that that I just adore because it's not evil. They're not inherently bad people. They're not, you know, they're just they're a little bit quicker. They're a little bit smarter. They're a little bit more canny than than people, and that's awesome. But you know what makes them great is they've is they continue to evolve from their mechanic days when they were the mechanics or whatever, mm-hmm. and they do all of this old school heel tag team stuff, but they weave it into a modern match context. Their matches are action packed from start to finish. Like any, their matches contain just as much action as any high spot filled spot fest uh, indie tag match that you'll see this weekend at your local VFW hall. But they weave in that old school psychology. They weave in that old school heel stuff, and they make it work in a modern context. And that is not easy, Rich. That is not easy. Okay, they're not doing. They're doing old school. What the hell was that? I was watching. I, I'm looking at Impact. There's a new champion on Impact. Ah, so yeah, I, I heard the volume there for a second. But anyway, they're they're weaving that stuff into uh, a modern context, which I think is even more impressive. They're not just cutting guys off and then grabbing holds. Yeah, no, they do it in a, in a super dynamic way too. And like, like I said, they actually. Which is tough too because they work a very quick paced style. So you would assume that people would start kind of rooting for them and liking them, but people still hate them because they steal those great moments from you. 
You know what I mean? And that's that's another classic thing too. Like old school heel tag teams was all about stealing that babyface moment away. Everybody wanted, you know, X team, name your your babyface heartthrob tag team or whatever. Wanted them to win when they were in their hometown or whatever. And those heel teams would always just by 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 just the thinnest of margins would just pull it out. It was like, God damn it. And like that's what makes people hate them. They don't hate them because they're evil. They don't hate them because they're bad people. They hate them because they take those moments away from them. And then this match was filled with that. They took moments away from when you thought that that big pop was coming, that Gargano and Shaft were going to win, that, that these, these best friends that came out of nowhere and came from the Indies that were about to win. And Dash and Dawson just said, nope, <laughs> we're going to win. And, and even in their promos, they weren't really bad people. They just kind of said, hey, go back to your bingo halls. This is the big times. You know, and that's cool. That again, that that builds like the fans you can get behind Gargano and Chad because like, hey, I like those guys. I like independent wrestling. You know, screw Dad Dawson Wilder, but they're not evil again. You know what I mean? And that that's something I really can't stress enough about how much I love them. And they get and they get booed by from that too, which is another. It's just really hard to do, and they're able to do it. They're incredible. To me, they've leapt in first place for tag team of the year. I can't see anybody. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I don't think there's. Yeah, American Alphas. I, I, they were, not, but now you know when you what it is? they're not going to get the reps now. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to be and when in a position to have big-time matches. Yeah, and when, when you see Dawson and Wilder have a, a, a fantastic, even better match than they had with those guys against another team, now you go, okay, never mind. Like, that's, these guys are the best. So, and Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, the answer to your question, your favorite pretty boy tag team, I'm going to go with uh, Steve Dahl and Rex King, Rich. How about that? I'm going to throw Ooh, I... the Southern Rockers at you. How do you feel about that one? <laughs> Okay, all right. Well, how about I go with the Fantastics, but with Jackie Fulton instead of Bobby Fulton? How about that? There's a little curveball for you. Is that what's the, which which is the combo of the Fantastics this year? Because you're you're big on like you're you're on like a three year crusade for the Fantastics to be appreciated more. Who, who, what's your best? Look, I, they're my favorite tag team of all time. I like the OG original pairing, but okay. but you pair up any of those three guys. Look, I I do think you have to have Tommy Rogers in the mix in some form or capacity though. Tommy Rogers, I like all three of those, but Tommy Rogers is really the, the that's the guy who gave the team the spark. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, There's right. Nothing okay. quite like a Tommy Rogers hot tag. You know, to, to, to fire the place up, you know. Uh, yeah. How about the Ring Crew Express? How about the Ring Crew Express, Richard? I don't know. Which one is the Ring Crew Express? Ring of Honor. The Ring of Honors, uh, they were like a parody of, of those teams. You don't remember the Ring Crew Express? Uh, I don't know if I remember the Ring Dun Crew Express. Dunn and Marcos, the Ring Crew Express. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ring of Honor. <laughs> yeah. It was like a parody oh, yeah. of the 80s tag team. They had like some really bad matches against Special K, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like early, yeah, I remember the early Ring of Honor dudes. And they had like terrible music too, didn't it? I forgot what it yeah, was. It was like, wasn't it like Jump by Van Halen or something still, like that? It was like a mock-up of the Rock and Roll Express. Like they had the same <laughs> right. look and, you know, the Ring Crew Express. Done in Marcos. Yeah, done in Marcos, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Oh, Where are they going to finish uh, on your ROH uh, top 50? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I haven't rewatched any uh, Dun and Marcos matches in a while. Maybe I need to get back on that and, and see what's up. Uh, all right, last match of uh, takeover before we move on here: Asuka versus Bailey for the women's title. Uh, I, yeah, 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 I don't know. I loved it. Did you? Yeah, I kind of. Uh, I don't know. Didn't do much. Both for me. of these Asuka Bailey matches, I loved. I really did. I thought there was a viciousness to them. I really loved the finish here, where Asuka hit that nasty spinning back fist, which looked like it knocked Bailey out. And then uh, she could have finished her right there, but then she delivered the needle of face anyway. I just love the way Asuka works. It's just so different and so unique. And um, it, it, and I love the story between her and Bailey, and I like that Bailey lost. Uh, remember, I thought Bailey was going to win, but I like that Bailey lost here, and that I like the story being completed. That Bailey just isn't good enough to beat Oscar. I like that. You know, you don't always get the happy ending, and I'm okay with that. And and I think that uh, 
you know, Asuka has been presented tremendously, and whoever eventually beats Asuka, similar, very similar to Brock Lesnar, actually, it's going to be quite the moment when somebody is finally able to beat her because she's been presented perfectly. All right, so uh, that's it for TakeOver. Uh, before we leave NXT land, or uh, WWE land, rather, I want we have to talk about the Talking Smack thing, which, by the way, we're, we're getting along in the show, man. I don't know what we're going to do for that. We've got a lot more to cover, uh, and this is, this is going to be a fun one, but we'll see what happens. We've got about an hour left uh, or so, but uh, we had to talk about Talking Smack, right? We cannot pass that up. The Miz, Daniel Bryan, the uh, great promo that happened after SmackDown, um, Dan O'Brien kind of calls out the Miz for people that haven't seen it. Hey, go watch it first. Like, absolutely pause this, go watch it if you haven't seen it yet. But I feel like most people listening to this probably have seen it. Uh, but just a little bit of background Dan O'Brien kind of calls out the Miz and, 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 you know, mentions whatever, like, whatever the setup was. And the Miz basically starts in kind of a professor promo about not being on the show and that sort of stuff. And then Dan O'Brien just had like, some sort of trigger word or something. It was about, you know, what was the, what was the word again that he's, Coward, right? Cowardly, or you're cowardly, or something like he that. He said right? he wrestles like a coward. He re- wrestles like and a coward. He said that he wrestles. Right. He represents the weak WWE in ring style, is what he said too. Right, and the Miz just came unglued <laughs> at that, which we, we know that that was it was a work. Like yeah, it was a work. Like okay, I think most people kind of know that as well. But it was it was perfect because then you get the Miz. Like first off, you have everybody breaking the wall, the fourth wall. You know, yeah. Uh, Maurice just looks at the camera like, oh no, what's going on? And, and Renee Young's kind of got this like, ooh, I don't really want to be involved in this. Like where she's kind of doing like the back away thing, where she's like, oh, see, my hands are up in the air, so I'm not a part of this. And Brian and and, and the Miz just start going at it, and the Miz starts saying, you know, hey, I'm the Intercontinental Champion. I'm here and you're you're not here. What are you doing? You quit or you stopped or whatever. And and you know, Dan O'Brien looks at the camera and says, Well, I would wrestle, you know, they will not let me wrestle. And just it was awesome stuff. It was really good. Again, go watch it for, for the exact quotes and all that sort of stuff, and you absolutely just need to see it. But what were your thoughts about that promo? Because I thought that was something awesome, and it was just like I want that right now. Like I want like the next SmackDown. I want there to be more builds over this match, and I don't care if it doesn't happen until WrestleMania or if Dan O'Brien I want that match, but it's probably not happening. So Damn it. (laughs) I think that uh, very obviously, I mean, it was a work. I mean, look, they've been building ever since Daniel Bryan's first day in the company. They've sort of been building up to this when they slapped him with the Miz on NXT. And the storyline there, like, was very much intentional to where you have this guy who's considered the greatest wrestler in the world, and he's being paired with a guy from a reality show. That was 100% the intention there, and that was the dynamic that they played off of on NXT, uh, which Michael Cole contributed to too. So this goes back many years, and it goes back uh, several weeks ago when you know Daniel Bryan didn't even want the Miz, uh, didn't even want to draft the Miz. He drafted him begrudgingly. And now, um, you know, every week he has negative things to say about The Miz. They've been storyline foils for each other for years. So I do think that this segment was there's there's, you know, I I think most people realize it. But there's some people who think that this was like a shoot. No way. I mean, this was. But I think what happened was both guys said things that pushed the wrong button with the other. And the thing that Brian said to Miz that mm-hmm. pushed the wrong. And you need that. You need too. that's pro wrestling at its finest. Absolutely. Is that little jab, the little jabs here and there. That's that's what gets the emotion out. Which is why we got that great promo where he's looking into the camera with tears in his eyes because he's so passionate about what he's saying. Which is why it was so great and it got everybody fired up. Okay, because the Miz is someone who, to me, comes off very insecure about his place. And, and, and the fact that he's constantly being put down for not being a quote-unquote 
quote-unquote real wrestler, and I think he's insecure about that. And when I said that on Twitter, a lot of people got into my case. I don't even necessarily mean that as a negative, okay? We're all driven by insecurity. We're all insecure about something. He's insecure about that, okay? He's insecure about constantly hearing how he's not a real wrestler. And that's okay. Insecurity can drive you. It doesn't always have to be a negative. You could use it as a positive. Right. His build to WrestleMania was a lot of that, the one where he main evented Cena. And, of course, you don't know because the whole thing was about Cena and The Rock or whatever. But th- that a, build, a big part of that build was The Miz saying, you know, hey, you all say I'm from the real world or whatever, but I don't care. I did it. Look, I'm the champion. Like, you can, you can call me the, the guy from the reality show, and you should go back to MTV, and you should do this or whatever, but I don't care because I made it. And I did it, and I'm the champion or whatever. And that they did that, and then they got away. They never went back to that ever again. They're kind of back there again, which is good. He's sensitive to it. He's insecure about it. That, would, that was not the behavior of a man who's comfortable in his own skin, right? Because if he wasn't insecure about that particular topic, it wouldn't have set him off the way that it did. And given that promo, the, entire, the, the, the crazy dynamic that it had. And when he shot back at Brian and called Brian a coward because Brian never came back, that pushed Brian's button that he didn't want pushed because his immediate reaction was, hold on a second. They're not letting me come back. Okay? So, yeah, was it a shoot in the sense where everything wasn't scripted out? Yes. But it was – look, they, they plan, there's no question they planned on having this confrontation. There's no question they planned on Brian walking off. This is all to advance the, the, a SmackDown storyline between the two. Okay? But – because they both poked each other in places that they're not comfortable being poked in, Brian, it's eating him alive that he can't wrestle. Oh, God. Every moment he's in that ring, can you see him? He's just like, Ugh. you can just see him like clenching his teeth when he's like, I'm the general manager of Smash. And like these other, like, you know for a fact, he looks so uncomfortable it's in that role. Eating, he cannot it, wait to get back in the it's ring. eating yeah. him alive. And The Miz is so insecure about no one respecting him. No matter how hard he works, no matter how well he does, no one was saying he's still insecure that people don't see him as, as, as belonging. As a, this is a guy who Chris Benoit made him dress in the hallway. Okay? This goes back to the, his beginnings. And he's still insecure about it, clearly. And, he, and, he, and, he, and that drives him. And that's why this was magic. Okay? That's why this was magic. Because they, they, they both poked each other in places that... that, that Set off something inside of them. And that's what we talked about in the beginning of the show. It's like WWE is doing this thing now where the new work is making it real. And this felt real because there were real elements to it. There were legitimate elements to this, which is what made it great. It didn't come off like phony bullshit like we've been seeing on Raw for the last 10 years where you know it's just wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And that's why people were so passionate about it. And, and why they thought that Miz did such a great job, and he did, because a lot of it really was coming from his heart, and mm-hmm. it was great. I love stuff like that. It's it's so weird that when you let these guys actually like give some of the real emotions, it, it like the 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 biannual Dolph Ziggler promo that we always talk about, where he has that promo where he's, he's backstage, and like he, we kind of saw it in the build of the Dean Ambrose match, where he's like, you know, I, I I bust my ass and I never get like there you go. It's it's great, and like you don't need to have everything be like it, people aren't saying go out there and have a shoot interview and that sort of stuff, but if you have little hel- elements of a promo and you kind of say you know talk about how upset you are that you know you don't get pushed or like something small like that. While they're doing a scripted promo or they're doing a, a semi-scripted promo, just that little hint of something that really gets their emotions going will completely change you. Because you might be lost in that moment, and then when you're lost in that moment, that's when the gold comes. And not only that, and that's what happened. And the viewer one. knows the difference, right? 
The viewer knows the difference. And again, like you're saying, it doesn't have to be a full-on shoot interview. But like Brian, even the tone of Brian's voice when he looked at the camera, well, well they will not let me. Yes. was like, that wasn't like SmackDown general manager Dan O'Brien talking. That was Brian Danielson, the human, going, I would love to. They won't let me. He even said it in that tone. Like, you think, I, like, they, well, like, he's, it was the perfect cadence for it, too. And I know that wasn't him being like, I'm going to play that up by this. Like, that was him talking of like, because I've heard the guy talk. That's what he talks like in real life. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know? and it's like, and, 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 you know, I've seen people say, well, you know, he, he really went after Miz there and made him feel it. But here's the thing. If the Miz was a baby face, Brian would have never said those things to him. See, it's, it's, it's reality based. It's a work, but it's just rooted in reality. And that's what makes it so good. It's hard to explain, but it's, it's, it, it, it God, you know, if they're, if they're, if Raw and SmackDown were like this, Rich. It would solve so many of their problems, but they're afraid to do that. It's 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 got to be this neatly constructed package. But maybe some of these things that are happening when it comes to Lesnar or this deal or mm-hmm. the thing, maybe this will start you know help the worm turn a little. But I don't expect it honestly. I can't I can't see them cutting people loose on Monday Night Raw like they did like they do on and, and it wasn't just this week it's always like this on this show we just didn't haven't gotten a huge intense moment like that but I can't right. I can't see them cutting people loose the way that they do on this show or the way that they do on their look we've talked for years about the WWE.com stuff where they where they cut people loose and how much better it is but that nobody fucking sees it you know, it would really solve a lot of their problems if they would allow people to do this. But I, I can't. I don't know about you. I can't yeah, I, I get it too. And they're not. And they're too worried about it failing miserably, like a Kalisto type thing. So I get it. They want to keep that floor. To you know, they want to keep that floor somewhat high. And even if the ceiling isn't as high as it could be, they want that floor to be a, a safe, secure one. You know what no, I mean? You're right. Like that, yeah, that's they don't, what it they is. They don't want yeah. people bombing. And right, they would rather you just be okay than bomb. So and it's inevitable that people would bomb. And right. and you know, or if you're Titus O'Neil, you bomb anyway. How bad was that? That's just and like you can tell that they like they gave that guy an extra five minutes on the mic just to fuck with him too. I like you know, because he was like looking like uh, okay, like I really thought Darren was going to be out by now. Where's Backlund? Like, Where is he? yeah? Okay, like I'll I'll keep going. <laughs> like that's fine. Like I think you could tell within like two minutes he was just like hit the music. Damn it! Like, You're right. He bombed so bad. That I think that they delayed back on coming out. I really they they absolutely didn't no. I mean that thing. It felt like it was like forty five minutes. I think it was like how long was that promo? It was like, in reality. It was probably like two minutes. But <laughs> it felt like an hour of just like of him just <laughs> completely dying out there. Oh, yes. And he can't work. So what good is the guy? Yeah, he's, well, he's, he's forty dad. years old. He feeds his children. He so can't work. Cool. He can't talk. I mean, you know. I'm waiting for him to grab another arm and do us all a favor. You know what I mean? Just grab another arm and do everyone a favor and just get a permanent suspension and just be gone with this guy. But I guess he's good to have, he's good for PR or whatever. That would come out and dad of the year. I guess, but anyone could be good at PR. Get him out of the ring then. Give him an Otunga <laughs> roll because I don't want him in my ring. And that's the thing with the brand split. This is good because it really separates like what's the fr- what's the phrase? It's the wheat, the wheat from the chaff. Right? Is that what you were going the for? The wheat from the chaff, right? So uh, ch- I think it's chaff. I think isn't it chaff? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with chaff. I'm gonna go with chaff. You go with the chaff. Okay. I don't think it's chaff. I think chaff is another thing. But all right. All right so the like, wheat from the chaff or the wheat from the chaff. Okay. It really does because you know now these guys it, it it forces people on TV and now we see why some of them were kept off of TV because you know Titus O'Neil. 
All right, we got to really rush here <laughs> to these last things. But luckily, uh, the Super J Cup was not very good. So I guess we can talk about that real quick. Uh, we don't have to go match by match unless you really want to. We don't have to do uh, every match because I think there was um, 978 matches on this show. How fucking long was this show? And it was another four hour. This was, this was like a four hour and 20 minute show, which really should have been about two and a half hours. And it, it, and it was a really weird show from the perspective of – Rich, I don't think I've ever seen a show where I thought that three or four of the matches were, were like awesome, but I hated the show. How is that even possible? Yeah, uh, I got that too. I, I, I was kind of halfway through it, and, and even when it was done, I said that it, like, I had this weird confliction where, where I, the, the show ended and I went, that wasn't as bad as people said. And then I kind of sunk in and I went, eh, it wasn't that good either. Like, it kind of sucked too. Like, I don't know what it was. It was a weird show where these individual matches I enjoyed. I enjoyed them in the moment. I enjoyed that, the Lucha match. I really liked. And then it was just like when it was all said and done, when I thought about the whole show and I thought about my experience sitting down and watching it, I said, you know, I really didn't enjoy that entire show at all. Like, even though I like, like, I could pick out these matches and watch them in a vacuum and probably enjoy them but overall as a show it was just stupid i don't know i i, I hated the show i thought there were, overall. there were four matches that were really fucking good you mentioned the lucha match the cmll's uh trios match which was i thought was excellent a lot of people hated it because it was kind of botchy and weird and i was like oh that's that's, that's lucha for you man like you kind of have to get used it to was that, botchy but. and weird for the first couple minutes but then when it heated up i mean volador jr how good was he in that match yeah he was great i mean he was tremendous but then you, i thought the osprey sidel match was a great match that's my favorite match of the entire show. Okay. I thought the Bucks versus Machine Guns match was an excellent match. Mm-hmm. And I thought that um, Kotoge, Harada versus ACH and Ishimori match was the best, ma- in my opinion, was the best match on the show. Mm-hmm. And I like Kanemura uh, uh, Seidel as well. I should add that in. And I liked the final. You didn't like the final. I thought the final sucked. And yeah. I liked the final. So we each liked like five matches. <laughs> but it's like they weren't, all, like they weren't all the same matches, right? But it's like yeah. we all. But then, but there was so much Taichi though, and that's yeah, and that's like he was thing. in every segment. Like, <laughs> and 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 that's exactly where the show went wrong because this is the Super J Cup. We're expecting work rate and flips and stars to be made. Instead, they didn't book the show like that. They booked it as a story as a storyline show. The overriding storyline of this show was Taichi and Suzuki Gun fucking with Kushida and Kushida overcoming the odds and winning the tournament anyway. Which, by the way, Rich. That's the only shit that got over on the show. The fans would pop. Oh, the crowds were dead. Yeah, and what, what, the, the attendance was hideous too. That was real bad. That it didn't draw anything. It week. drew three thousand fans to a fifteen thousand seat building or whatever the building. Or twelve thousand seat. Yeah, it's three three thousand forty one fans uh, twelve thousand seat arena. It's an absolute disaster. That's not good. Okay? Yeah, so I don't think disaster. you're gonna see a super shake up next year. Well, you won't see it in that building. No. <laughs> okay, you put it in Corkin, and yeah, think- isn't that funny how that works? You put it in Corkin. And it's a turnaway crowd. You put it in that building, and it's an absolute failure. This is what we used to talk about with TNA. If you run a building that's too big for you, and you can't fill it, fuck you. I don't care how many. You know what I mean? That's bad. Don't run a building that big. You can't call this a success. So anyway, um, the place you got this giant building with only three thousand fans in it. So even when they are making noise, it's kind of just getting sucked into the ceiling. It's kind of having that effect. But make no mistake, this was not anything close to a hot crowd. They didn't care about anything except for Taichi and his antics. It was like the opposite effect. Everyone's watching on Twitter and complaining about Taichi and, and how all the matches have all this interference. That's the only shit that got any kind of reaction out of the crowd. And that's why I sort of liked the main event better than you did because I thought the main event was very dramatic. I don't know about you because you watched it spoiled. I watched it live, which was absolute fucking torture because it didn't end until like 6 o'clock in the morning. 
<laughs> but I watched it live, and watching that final live, I bought every one of Kanemuru's near falls. Okay, I thought I he was going to win the match because I thought Kanemuru, Kushida, and Taichi and Despi all were so great in that match, creating drama. I really bought into a lot of the false finishes that they did, and so did people on Twitter. Because you would see people saying, oh, give me a fucking break because they thought uh, Kanemura was going to win the match. So I, I did think the match was dramatic even though it wasn't the kind of match I wanted to see. I thought Kanemura's performances got better and better as the night went along. You thought they went backwards because you liked his early performances and you did No, I actually I, – I enjoyed – it's nothing to do with his performances at all. I enjoyed his performances all throughout the tournament. My issue with the main event it had nothing to do with the work. It was just the fact that every time I looked, there was fucking El Desperado on the apron. Taichi was sliding in. Like To me, I hated that because at the end of this, when I watched this in one sitting, every fucking match had Taichi, Desperado, Kanemaru, Suzuki Gun sliding in, pulling the referee out, doing stuff behind the referee's back, distracting the referee. By this point, I just wanted a fucking match between two guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially in this finals. And I thought the work was fine, but then any moment that I enjoyed the work, and you, you, you thought it was a benefit, that drama of them kind of interfering and doing that sort of stuff, I was like, come on, just stop. I've had enough of it. It's too much. And I don't want to see Desperado pulling the referee out again. Like, why is he not thrown out? Like, like yeah. in what universe would the referee go, hey, you just pulled me out of the ring, but like... Don't let it happen again, all right? Like, you can stay here. Like, that's where I was like, come on. Like, why? I was hoping, you know me, my favorite thing in the world is either the referee. I know Kanemura wasn't going to do this, but I love when, you know, the guy says, I'll do this by myself. You know, get get out of here. Let me do this on my own. Yeah. Or the referee goes, get the fuck out of here. We're just going to have a one-on-one match. Yeah. But it didn't happen. Like, he got pulled out of the ring by Desperado and then let him stay. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Like that. So to me, like, that just the fact that no matter what the work was going to be, that – aspect of the match just killed me i just couldn't do it anymore after this entire show don't get me after four hours of that uh, I, it was too much don't get me wrong i didn't pro- I, that's not my preferred path either i'm just saying that they managed to create enough drama to where i yeah well, i could see that. that yeah and i watched it spoil too so i knew kushida won so i had less of that so i had a couple moments in that match where i was like holy shit kanemura is really gonna win this you know especially since they had started that new japan noah feud a few days earlier or whatever i was like oh wow they're gonna put kanemura over kushida this is nuts but, you know, Kushida overcame it. And I thought Kushida, while he didn't have any blow-away matches, I thought he was excellent throughout the tournament, um, especially with the position that he was put in, uh, you know, to, to have these type of bullshit matches that he was involved in every step of the way. But, um, so, you know, Kushida won. This was not a great J-Cup overall. Cruiserweight Classic is blowing this thing out of the water. I mean, it's not even Oh, jeez. Remember when there was and, actually a debate? Well, there was. Because the first, <laughs> yeah. the first round of the Cruiserweight Classic, you know, it was, you know, it was a little spotty because you had some shitty guys that were in there, and even some of the better matches were a little short. But it's like now, forget it. The second round of the Cruiserweight Classic has been fucking phenomenal. I know you're not all the way caught up, and you got a couple left. I'm too, yeah, I'm too behind. But I mean, like every match is four stars. It's fucking ridiculous because a lot of the bums are gone, and the matches are getting time, and they're just fucking delivering, and they're all and they're all different styles of matches too. I mean, you know, I, that Drew Gulak Zack Saber match. I don't know if you got up to that one yet. I have not. I have not seen that one yet. No. I mean, geez. I mean, it, it, it's just blo- it blo- this Super J Cup blown at. I loved. I loved Abushi. Abushi uh, Alexander. I think was the last one I saw, and that was just. I came unglued during that. I was like, how did I wait two weeks to watch this match? I feel like such an idiot. And the, for waiting. the damn Grand Metallic Tajiri match on that same show yeah. was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's oh, even yeah. talking about it because the other match was so great. But yeah, it has blown this Super J Cup out of the fucking water. It's not even close. Um, as far as the rest of the card, I thought one guy. And I hate doing this show after the Observer comes out because inevitably I have a thought. 
Dave has the same thought. Now people think I'm stealing Dave's thought. But the fact of the matter is, if you check the fucking Twitter feed, I was saying it in real time. I thought ACH looked like a fucking superstar in his match. I don't know how you felt about it. Yeah, I thought he looked great. I thought he stood out more than I, I think. Katoe stood out on his own. I think Katoe and ACH were the two real standouts of that match. But yeah, I thought ACH uh, was head and shoulders over Ishimori. And I like Ishimori, but yeah, ACH was the man in that match. I mean, I, he was so good. And the, 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 the finish of that match where he takes that knee to the face and the way that he sold that knee, I thought he was legit dead. I've never seen anybody sell a knee strike the way I, – I, I hope it's gift somewhere or gift somewhere. But no one was fucking – by that point in time, everyone had like checked out of the show. So fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the way he sold that knee to the face at the end of that match, I thought it was a botch and I thought the poor kid was dead. I thought ACH was fucking dead. But it wasn't. It was just an incredible fucking sell job and he sold it in a way that I've never seen a knee strike sold. I, I, I don't think ever. And he was just so good in the match. I thought if this would have been in Corican or in front of a hotter crowd, he really would have been the breakout star of the night. I really thought his performance was that good. And if people are judging him on this Noah run in, in terms of him moving forward with some other opportunities in Japan, I think he's knocked it out of the park overall. I think he's done an excellent job. Uh, and I thought this, uh, that he, was the, uh, he really stood out in this match. Mm-hmm. I thought that was yeah, the best I, match of the show. I thought it was really good. The problem, I, I felt horrible because the crowd was just giving these guys nothing. nothing. Like if this was a crowd that that you know only three thousand came or whatever, all three thousand of these people seemed like they had never watched Noah or knew what the hell processing Noah was at all. You know what I mean? Like those Noah guys got nothing, and I felt horrible for these guys in particular because they're having a great match and it's just crickets. You're hearing nothing, and it should be such a hot crowd and such a hot match, and it it just wasn't. I felt really bad, and I. Uh, I don't know if I sent out a tweet earlier that I said, oh, these Noah guys are used to working in front of, uh, you know, dead crowds or whatever. And uh, did you see who liked that post? Who liked it, Rich? Mr. Carl Anderson. I got a good little chuckle out of that. So, yeah, it's always funny. What a random, what a random tweet to like. But, uh, yep. That's, there you go. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's when you get weird. You're like, oh, man, like, I feel really like you're being watched by like, you know, what I mean, like yeah. Carl Anderson's like backstage at like a fucking house show. And he's like, uh, and like, you know what I mean? Like. He just like chuckles and then likes it. Like the idea that like that's like a thing where he's like, oh yeah, fuck no. And like, you know what I mean? Like that. It's just if, if it's you, so weird. If you think because there's tons of wrestlers who follow us, and and it's like if if you if you let yourself think about that, it affects the way you tweet. So I, right. so I don't. I just don't think about it. You know what I mean? It's like if you gotta bury something, you just gotta fucking bite the bullet and bury it. You know, and you you just you can't think about it. Like uh, it's it's like the Noah thing. Like. We communicate with people who work in that company, but y- 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 you have to bury it. If you have to, there's, there's nothing you, you have to be honest, you know? It's like, to be fair, we mostly bury the fans, in the, and, and they're usually on board with us burying the fans that's, as well. So. That's not untrue. That's not untrue. <laughs> so that is a thing, too, where they'll be like, yeah, those guys suck. <laughs> like, whatever. It, it, it's not untrue. But I think the only thing that hurt the ACH match was because they had beaten Katoge and Harada twice in a row, they beat them in, in pool play, and then they beat them to win that tournament. The outcome kind of wasn't in doubt. They weren't going to beat him three times in a row. So yeah, that right, kind of right, hurt right. a little bit. The Bucks machine gun match I thought was just a smidge below, but it was an excellent match. I thought Chris Saban looked great. I hope he gets booked moving forward. I really hope Saban and Shelly become a thing in New Japan now. I'm- that's why I, I wanted him to win the titles because then you're forced to at least bring him back or, or whatever. But I understand you know, when the post-match promo happened, then we kind of understood what was going on with the Bucks and all that. And I think uh, in a show where we have a little bit more time, we can talk a little bit about their 
you know, post-match promo, which is a big moment in New Japan of sort of a little bit of a breaking of the, the, the weight classes. Yeah, so what happened was, and we won't, what we'll do is when we talk about the destruction shows, I think is when we can analyze this. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. But the Bucks, for people who don't know, uh, success, they beat Motor City Machine Guns, and then they said that, you know, they've won the junior titles five times, and they want a shot at the IW, IWGP. They called them world heavyweight, the world titles. And what they mean is the heavyweight titles, and they flat out challenge the Briscoes. So we're going to get the Bucks versus the Briscoes at one of those fucking destructions. I don't know which one um, coming up, and we're going to see. Now look, this has been talked about since the beginning of the year, especially with Red Dragon. But now it looks like, and if you look at the way the destruction shows were booked, there's a lot of junior teams facing heavyweight teams. Mm-hmm. So it looks like I don't know if that necessarily means that they're getting rid of the junior titles, but it definitely means that the the two divisions that the juniors will be facing the heavyweights, which they never did previous, and they'll be in the title mix. But we can get into analyzing that. I have a lot of strong thoughts on that. But again, we don't have time for that. But that was a good match. I thought Osprey Seidel was a good match. You're right. I think Kanemaru versus Seidel in the second round was a good match. I'm probably not giving that one enough credit. But despite the fact that we're talking about all these good matches, Rich, it felt like a terrible show. I can't mm-hmm. kick the feeling that I wasted my time watching it. It just felt lifeless, yes. and, and yeah, it was a chore to get through that it, show, oh, and that's, you, that's not yes, good. Yeah. Absolutely. I can't imagine watching that live. I, I watched it in like three separate days. To give you an idea, Like I started watching that show Monday, and I finished today at like four, to give you an it idea. It literally like, ended at six in the morning with the sun, with the sun coming <laughs> up, and I'm like, motherfucker, because then you got to watch a four-and-a-half-hour SummerSlam a couple hours later. Like yeah. literally a couple hours later, the show would have been a lot shorter <laughs> if Caristico wasn't out there pointing at the crowd for 20 minutes after his match. What an attention. <laughs> I was like, get back there. What go, go away. Like he's just, he wouldn't fucking leave. And the thing is, he's pointing at the crowd and taking, and no one's even reacting to him. Who was he pointing at? <laughs> I don't know. Intermission had started. The fans had, you know, those Japanese fans, they scatter like cockroaches as soon as the fucking intermission starts. Those people. They either love to smoke or they all got to piss really bad because every time intermission comes, they show well, We've heard from people that they have like great food, right? That like people don't eat and they just like dine like when they get there. I thought that's what. I don't know what the fuck it is, but they, every time they do that wide shot, like that place is empty within 30 seconds. And you still got Caristico out there pointing to people. He's looking around. He's pointing. What the fuck are you doing, dude? And the camera wouldn't get off him. The music is playing on a loop because the guy won't fucking go in the back. I got a real big kick out of that. What an egomaniac that dude is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was 20 minutes right there of Christical pointing uh, to people. All right, so we're going to go pretty quick here. Um, Evolve highlights. You watched Evolve shows. I did not. What would you make of the entire weekend? We obviously don't have time to break down every single match, but what would, you make, what would you make of the entire weekend from Evolve? It was the worst Evolve weekend that I can remember and the worst Evolve weekend since they switched gears and went more towards the serious style. Well, that's not good because we were really looking forward to it. When we previewed it, we said it could be the best <laughs> shows of the weekend. So. It wasn't, and if it wasn't, what happened? <laughs> and if it wasn't for Matt Riddle, it would have been a completely. There would be nothing redeeming about the weekend at all. He he, his matches. He had the best match on both nights, and if you take away his matches, uh, Evolve sixty seven in particular would have been in contention for the worst show of the year. Wow. Um, Evolve the last hour of Evolve sixty seven is some of the most wrestle crap worst hour of professional wrestling. WCW two thousand was the last hour of that show. 
I'm not exactly. That's that's the Thatcher Gulak and then the uh, Galloway Dustin Ethan Carter versus Catchpoint, the, right? The Thatcher Gulak match, I gave a dud. It was that bad. It was it was two guys who were insist so insistent upon working their match that the crowd did not want that they not only lost the crowd, the crowd not only turned on them, but it went one step beyond. Rich, it went one step beyond the crowd turning on them. The crowd got so annoyed with this match. And not only did they turn on the match, they decided, fuck it. We're not letting these guys ruin our night. We're here for SummerSlam weekend. We're not just going to sit here and boo. We're not just going to sit here and go, Thatcher, you fucking suck, which you could audibly hear people yelling on the iPay-Per-View over and over. Thatcher, you fucking suck. Thatcher, (laughs) go away. Thatcher, I fucking hate you. Rich, I'm not making this up. You can hear this shit on the iPay-Per-View. I don't know. I didn't know you you went to the show. Yeah, Yeah, I wasn't even there. So and, and by the way, I gave Thatcher's match four and a quarter stars the night before. Okay, so if you want to tell me I'm not fair about Timothy Thatcher, his match with Riddle was awesome. It was fucking awesome. But anyway, so people are yelling at Thatcher. They're turning on the match. They're booing. There's people throwing paper towards the ring. Then it went one step beyond. They decided we're not going to let this shit ruin our night. Then they ironically got back in. I've never seen a crowd do this. They, I, but you got a wise-ass fucking out-of-town crowd, right? So it kind of makes sense. They ironically got back into the match and started rooting against Thatcher because they wanted him to lose the title. But, Rich, they weren't rooting for Gulak. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. They didn't give a fuck about They just wanted anybody. Anybody could have walked through that curtain and beat. They (laughs) They would have been fine with it. Yeah, Anybody to take the title off of this guy. So every time there was a near fall, even the kind of near falls that nobody on earth buys, like scoop slam cover. That you know what I mean, like generic fucking two counts. They were like booing when it wasn't a three. <laughs> like it was, it was, it was, it, it was like it was surreal watching how bad this match was and how badly the crowd turned on it. They just wanted Thatcher fucking gone from that ring. They wanted the title off of him and they wanted him never back in the again. Now, then Thatcher wins the match on a botch. Okay, <laughs> he headbutts Gulak, goes for the cover. Oh, not that! F- Did he botch a headbutt again? I don't know what happened. He headbutts Gulak, goes for the cover. The ref counts to two, and the bell rings. I don't know what the. F- <laughs> okay, so either the ref didn't know the finish, or one of the wrestlers didn't know the finish. All I know is it was fucking a, a, a terrible botched finish. The crowd starts booing again, like "What the fuck are we watching?" And then, so they kept the title on him, which annoyed everybody because nobody wanted the title on this man. Nobody wanted the title on this man. They don't even want this man in the company. Okay, but they did kind of redeem themselves because they didn't take the title off him, but he did. He did turn. He finally turned. Okay, because then Gulak like offered him respect. He's like, all right, you beat me fair and square. I'll give you your belt back. I'll shake your hand. And that was a big moment where you're supposed to rally behind Gulak as the classier guy. And then Thatcher grabbed like a sleeper and did like this creepy smile with all of his missing front teeth. So I think they did a Thatcher heel turn, but who the fuck knows? Because nobody reacted differently. No one reacted. Yeah. They just didn't want him to have the title. It's like booze or booze. You know what I mean? So I couldn't tell. So at least the company has recognized that everyone hates Timothy Thatcher. So they turned him heel, which I give them credit for. But the problem, Rich, is it's, it's go-away heat. It's not the, like the Jericho heat we talked about three hours ago where it's the right kind of heat. This is there's one of them off their screen, like as quick as yes, possible. Yes, it's yeah. go away heat for Thatcher. So I think the turn was too late, and and I, it's just not a good dynamic. 
despite all of that, Rich, the six-man match that followed it was worse. How is that possible with those names? I wasn't... This is how it was possible. Picture every 1999 ECW oh, no. match with, like, the Baldies brawling around oh, the no. building against, like, Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney. Oh, no. And then, like, New Jack's music hits. Oh, I don't like that at all. <laughs> and New Jack just fucking kills everybody while Natural Born Killers plays in the background. Picture that, but without New Jack. Got a nice picture in your head there, Rich? Yeah, it's, it's not good. It's not a so good picture. Because the only thing, the only redeeming factor was that I love that song. And, and I that, love that New Jack is and fucking, New Jack. fucking awesome, right? Right, so yeah. Just, and then New Jack had a garbage can or a, a shopping cart full of shit. Who doesn't, like, yeah. who doesn't like New Jack coming out with a garbage can full of shit maiming people? Everybody pops for that. But this was that without New Jack. This was Vito, Big Vito Lagrasso <laughs> and Angel. Like, Angel. like digging, like, like, uh, like, like hitting Axel Rotten with a stop sign, like for for twenty minutes. That's what this was. It was a disjointed brawl. It was basically guys brawling on the outside of the ring, and then every every like two minutes, two of them would get in the ring and do a spot. Oh, the worst! Then they would roll out of the ring. Two no, more guys would get yeah. in the ring and do a spot, oh. and then they would roll out of the ring. Plus, it was Evolve, so you're not exactly getting cutting-edge production during all of this, so it's not like... Yeah, everything's dark, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, like, one camera that, like, is missing everything except when it's in the ring, and it's, like, uh, on top of that, Tracy Williams never even came... He, like, came out and got attacked, and then he was replaced by Ethan Page. Nobody likes Ethan Page because he had two bad matches over the weekend. Oh, God, it was even worse. I, if there was something, oh. I almost went into negative star territory for the... Wow, jeez. I, I almost have to watch it now, just for the fun bad. No heat. No one cared. Thatcher killed the crowd, and this match did not win them back. Okay? <laughs> then in the wow. post-match, I don't remember who won, because I didn't care. Okay? Then the post-match, Joey Styles gets in the ring and decides to play matchmaker for the next set of Evolve shows. Oh, by the way, Joey Styles debuted in case. Joey Styles <laughs> debuted, he called the main event. Well, he didn't call the main event. He called the Thatcher match with Lenny. God bless Joey Styles. He knew this match. You, you know when you know. He's <laughs> like, I came back for this. <laughs> you know when you know the announcer knows what he's watching is a fucking train wreck, but he can't. Right. He, he just gives subtle clues. Like, you know, Jim Ross's big thing was this. Is, it's like, well, that was Bowling Shoe Ugly. Like, this is not going to be a great. He would say Bowling Shoe Ugly. Well, you're not going to get, you know, <laughs> tie-ups. and da, da, da. Yeah, I would say that. Like, where he, Bowling Shoe Ugly was his. Uh, yes, where you know he can't bury it, but he also doesn't want to lose credibility. So he's being honest. At one point, Joey Styles, while this match was fucking dying completely during the title match, he goes, well, Lenny, this is certainly broken down to a battle of attrition. <laughs> wink, wink. Battle, battle of attrition. Me. Between the fans and the fucking wrestlers. It's like, it's like, and, and, and he had that Joey Styles, like, twang, and, like, you knew, he, <laughs> yeah. he was winking at us, Rich. He was winking yeah. at, the, at the fucking audience saying, look, I know this fucking stinks. Please bear with us. So anyway, he comes out after the main event to play matchmaker for the next set of shows. The crowd doesn't give a fuck about any of this. Uh, They're throwing things. The wrestlers are getting upset. Somebody throws something at Joey Styles. TJ Perkins turns around and fucking shoots. I thought he was going to go into the crowd. Perkins and Page turned around. Somebody bash Kobe or what? What what got him so mad? (laughs) 
Someone may have been the case. Someone, uh, yeah, someone said Shaq's better than Kobe, and he's, I'm gonna get this ball. There was a wadded up piece of paper that landed at Joey Styles' feet. Maybe it was a uh, Kobe Bryant tops card, for all I know. I don't know. Yeah, it was a a stat sheet showing Kobe Bryant versus other, you know, top dominant. Okay. So that all fell flat because the fucking match was fucking terrible. I don't know how, like, the whole last hour of that show was an absolute Mm. fucking train wreck some of the it was no i'm telling you wcw 2000 is not an exaggeration it was that fucking bad well now i have to watch it because i, I love WCW 2000. It's, it, you know what it, it's 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 worth it's worth a watch for the train wreck aspect evolve 66 was better i know we're running out of time very quickly thatcher versus matt riddle from that show fantastic match uh the story there as you know riddle's kind of been this cocky little fucking prick towards thatcher Beat, yeah. beat him last time, injured the arm or whatever. This was just Thatcher beating the fuck out of this little shit. It was an 18-minute fucking squash. He just killed him. And there, it was no holds barred, so every time Riddle went for a rope break or tried to roll out of the ring, Thatcher just kept on him and beat the fucking living shit out of him. Great storytelling because it, 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 it showed that Riddle wasn't ready, right? And it sort of redeemed Thatcher a little and had me excited mm-hmm. for the Gulak match. No, and then that, that lasts about twelve hours. <laughs> and then the best match on Evolve sixty-seven, Matt Riddle again. Yeah, he's great. Matt Riddle versus Tommy End was the best match on that. <coughs> Excuse me, was the best match on sixty-seven, and it was uh, again really good booking by Gabe. I'm burying his show here. Good chance he listens to this, so I want to say good booking there by him because the night after Riddle gets beaten and embarrassed by Thatcher, who better to rehab him against than a guy working his last match for the company? Yep, on the way out. <laughs> so the guy on his way out, Riddle beats him. Great match. Completely different match than the, uh, than the Thatcher match. And away we go. The only other takeaway, I like Peter Casa. I'm a fan of Peter Casa. Peter Casa is an exciting wrestler. He had a nice little Dragon Gate run last month. Peter Casa is not ready for Evolve. Um, he's very sloppy. He misses a ton of spots. The Peter Casa-Tony Nice match at Evolve 67. <laughs> Again, I'm telling you, if you take yeah, yeah, yeah. if you take away the Tommy and Matt Riddle match, this is legitimately one of the worst shows of the year. Was that like a 2001 like three count match that Tony needs Peter Casa? I could see it being like that. That wasn't like, entirely uh, their fault. Casa was sloppy and missed a lot of spots, and Nice worked hard. But what happened during this match too is Daniel Bryan, Tyler Breeze, and Cesaro decided to enter the building through the. Oh God! So the entire crowd lost their attention. And started looking towards that direction. Nice throws on the headlock. He's looking in that direction. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and it threw off the whole match because it, like, threw off their pacing. You know what I mean? Like, they're working a match and they have to fucking slow down because no one's paying attention to them anymore. They were already having a rough go of it. They were already having bad chemistry. And they just never fucking got on the same page. And I really felt bad for both of them. And Nice really tried hard. He did crazy suicide dives. Um... The finish, they both missed like 630 splashes and then Nice hit one and one. They did impressive flying, but Casa, I don't know, man. He really didn't look great either night. The night before, he teamed with Jigsaw. Uh, I think he teamed with Jigsaw the night before. But, uh, you know, he didn't look particularly great in that match either. So, look, man, it was not a good weekend for Evolve by any stretch. How did, uh, how did Cody Rhodes look? We, we haven't even mentioned that. Speaking of people that, that might listen to this. and yeah. That, yeah, good point. I mean, that's important, and I should talk about that. Because there's not a whole lot to get to. I mean, I'll do Ring of Honor pretty quickly because there's not a whole lot to get. I think the more interesting story is Cody Rhodes. So, yeah, take your time on that. On that. Okay, so night one, he takes on Zack Sabre Jr. And um, 
I have to say, like, it wasn't bad. It was functionally, it was fine. Um, you know, he, he went out there and, and wrestled a sound match, but he certainly did not come out like this shit talking house of fire that he promised he was going to be. Mm-hmm. The guy that said, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show everybody, I'm a great worker, I'm, I, I got all these great workers I want to work with, I'm going to work with Zack Sabre Jr. You know, he was very, there's a cockiness about this indie run for him. There's this sense that he has something to prove. And it was a good match, but it was not even close to a great match, and it was nothing that stood out. Um, the, the only thing he established in that match was he used his ro- uh, crossroads finish, right? But it didn't get the pin because then he used – he established a new finish. He's doing some sort of wacky leg lock, and he's, okay. he's calling it the American Nightmare, and that's his finish now. So they established that the crossroads isn't good. I like that he's doing that because it's like he's totally leaving the past behind. You know what I mean? That was kind of symbolic. A symbolic thing, yeah. That's what I used to do, but that's done. That's it, done. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. Yeah. That's a cool little nut. It touch. didn't yeah. work. Saber kicked out. He had to use something else to beat Saber. Next night against Chris Hero. Uh, Rich, did you think it was possible to have an average match against Chris Hero? Yeah, how do you do that in 2016? It was an average match. And look, no, I know, no. I know I've seen him against everybody. I've seen Chris Hero face anybody. Now look, multiple places. That's impossible. No. Hero's got the knee problems. I get it. But he's in the ring and he's working and he's wrestling, and he didn't exactly look like he had. You wouldn't know he had any problems if you didn't read it in the fucking Observer or whatever or on his Twitter. And it's just they had an average match, man. I mean, these matches were hard to rate, Rich, because they were well worked. They they were definitely well worked matches. There was nothing. They never hit a second gear. There was no spark to them. There was nothing. If, when you got done watching Cody Rhodes after this weekend. You didn't come across. You didn't sit and say to yourself, "Wow, this is a guy who really is out to prove himself." You know what I saw? I saw a guy who worked a slightly different style than he worked in WWE, but was the same basic dry worker at the end of the day. And yeah. and 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 look, I know these were his first two matches, but the fact of the matter is, it's Zack Saber Jr. and Chris Hero. Yeah, 2016, you really got to knock it out of the park with those two guys. I mean, like on. that's they 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 handed it to you on a platter. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. Yeah. You're not making it any easier to go out there and have a great match than getting in the ring with those two guys. So it's like, how's he going to look when he wrestles guys that aren't at that level? That, and I'm sure that, that that contributed to that being a bad weekend because those guys are guys you can guarantee to give you a knockout. Dra- you know what I mean? Like those two dudes on any given night are going to give you a fantastic match. And in a way, I, you know, I haven't seen them, so I can't speak. But the way you're describing, that's kind of a waste of both of those guys. And that can, in turn, make the cards feel a lot worse. Whereas if you had a, a Chris Hero versus uh, whoever, you, you know what I mean? Like Chris Hero versus anybody in 2016 will basically be an awesome match. So the fact that, you know, you you... you and it's worth the risk. It was absolutely worth the risk to, to to bring these guys to Cody and go, okay, kill it, and let's get going here. But yeah, if you kind of put not not duds, but if you put only average performances against those two, then you're going to end up with average cards, and and that seems to be what happens. So yeah, and he's he's obviously going to be able to evolve moving forward. He was involved in the angle at the end of '67. Uh, he was recruited into Drew McIntyre's sort of what do you want to call those guys? The TV crew, Ethan Carter. Yeah. People got mad at me when I call it the TV crew. So I guess, I, I don't know, team TN, a team TNA keep, slash WWE or whatever I mean, you come want. Come on, yeah. fuckheads. You know what we're talking about. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it, you know, but he got recruited into that group and he turned them down. That was the running storyline of the weekend too. So he's team evolve. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's team okay. Joey styles or whatever. Well, they tried to recruit Joey styles too. They wanted their own personal announcer. 
and and Styles was like, I got to think about it. But then he turned him down and became the matchmaker apparently. But so Rhodes will be there moving forward. He'll get other cracks at these guys. He's got a lot to prove. I'll tell you what. If he goes out and wrestles at Bola, I was going to say he stinks it up at Bola. You might not see him. Now see, I see he didn't stink it up. But if he goes to Bola, like he didn't pull a Brian Myers, okay. But if he goes out to uh, to Reseda and he and he wrestles at the same level that he wrestled in Evolve, it's it. No, people are going to throw the towel on this guy. Mm-hmm. He really needs to step it up, and he's facing Sammy Callahan. It's not a great start. That's <laughs> not uh, I mean, you had you had Saber and Hero. Uh, yeah, I mean, good luck. I mean, Callahan stinks. My least favorite wrestler, to, my two favorite wrestlers of 2016, and then my least favorite wrestler of 2016, Sammy I Callahan. mean, he had That's... two guys who could drive the ship. All he has to do is do whatever Chris Hero does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Chris Hero has good matches. If he rolls out of bed and has a fucking four-and-a-half-star match, he's got to get in there with Callahan, who, who the fuck knows what you're going to get? That guy's nuts, and he isn't very good. You know what I mean? It's like, what's that match going to look like? Have you seen what AEW is booking uh, specifically for me in a few months or another month? What's that? Sammy Callahan versus Abyss. Are you going to leave the building again? I, see, I don't think it's going to be the main event, though, so I can't really leave because something might come after it. If it is the main event, I will not. I mean, the second that match starts, I'm in my car. I think I can count on one hand the number of matches I want to see less than Sammy <laughs> Callahan versus Abyss. I mean, could you even come up with one? Because it's Abyss, for fuck's sake. Sammy Callahan's like Brian Danielson compared to Abyss. Abyss? Why are they booking Abyss? Get Dr. Keith on the phone. I gotta know. <laughs> yeah, I'll call him right now. Get, yeah. get him on the. Uh, get. I wanna. I wanna. I wanna fucking run him down. I wanna find out why he thinks Abyss versus Sammy Callahan is a good idea. <laughs> we like Keith. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, but come on. He likes. He likes his walking brawls, though. He does like his walking brawls. He does. He's he's had a great year. He's had a great year, so I won't get mad at him. But yeah, he does like his walking brawls. So that'll. I'll cloud him a little bit. All right, before we get out of here. Oh, so, uh, Zach Saber Jr. and Cedric Alexander, oh, which you saw. At yeah, eight. what happened there? Yeah, that it wasn't was great. No, it was good. Okay, Probably right, the third okay, best so. match of the weekend. That was good, too. I almost forgot about it. And really quickly, too, Zack Sabre Jr. did a heel turn. He's doing this cheeky, like, British, like, nose-in-the-air kind of deal, mm-hmm. which is a lot of potential because his promo was awesome. So I wanted to get in there. It wasn't all bad for Evolve, but it was pretty fucking bad. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, Death Before Dishonor, not a ton to really talk about here. Uh, I wanted to at least cover some of the big stuff. Uh, the Adam Page, Hangman Page versus uh, Jay Briscoe match, anything goes. Really good if you're into like kind of weaponish brawls. And ROH does those very well. I mean, if you remember, I think it was last year around this time, there was that Cedric Moose one that is is great. I would say this is on a similar level to that. So they're very good at doing that. So yeah, definitely want to check out there. Uh, Okada versus Dalton Castle was fun as well. Now, Hangman I think the Page most... beat Jay Briscoe, correct? He did. Yeah, Hangman Page beat Briscoe, which is a big deal. I mean, that that's that's a big deal. And we always don't know really who's who's pulling what string or whatever. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really big deal. Uh, Okada to beat Dalton Castle, but the way you see the matches, it went 13 minutes, and it was Dalton Castle really had a lot of the match, and there was a point where he had his finisher on Okada, and Okada slid out of the ring. You know, it was the smart thing wow. where he didn't get hit. He hit the finisher and then rolled out of the ring like the smart. And then he laid on the ground for a while after he got out of the ring. But it was sort of that visual that, okay, Castle may have had him there. And then Okada came back and finished him off and Okada was just better. But I think that was an important distinction right there that Okada rolled out of the ring and didn't get pinned and didn't kick out of that move, but was smart to kind of get out of the way. So that was interesting. It was Dalton Castle did a lot of work in that match. I mean, Okada, it's not to say that he phoned it in. Okada just kind of played the role of letting Castle have a lot there, which was, I thought, really cool. Uh, a little, a real, and it shows that ROH at least has a lot of um, 
uh, thoughts on Dalton Castle. We mentioned this again. If you want him to be a main eventer, this is a big spot for him. I think Castle absolutely uh, delivered here. Now, so, now, you know I get into this. How was his bump for the Rainmaker? Um, I'm trying to remember. It was pretty good from what I remember. Did he take a thud or did he take like a half flip? Like, what? Uh, I don't expect I him to be Tomatonga here, but I think it was just a thud, if I remember correctly. Okay, but it was a good thud, if he I remember. Strikes correctly. me as a thud guy. It was a thud. It wasn't. A, it wasn't like the over the top flip thing. It was a thud. If I, if, I'm trying to remember in my head. I do not know exactly, but I, I remember it being pretty good. I remember not hating it. So, uh, Bobby Fish retaining the TV title over Mark Briscoe was a solid match. Went about 60 minutes. Probably didn't need to go about that uh, really 60? all that long. 16. <laughs> no, it didn't go 60 minutes. <laughs> Bobby Fish and Mark Briscoe going Broadway like Funkin' Briscoe oh, yeah. in the middle of the yeah. ROH pay-per-view. Yeah, the middle of the show. No, it's 16 minutes, and it probably didn't need to go that long, but uh, it was a real solid match, as you would expect a Briscoe and Bobby Fish to do. Nothing that would kind of blow your... But but solid. It's, it's not a match of the weekend or match of the, the show or whatever, but it, it was solid. Uh, I'll skip this tag match because the tag didn't have a lot. It was the addiction winning a three-way over uh, Tanahashi Nelgan and, and Naito and Evil. It was fine. It was good, but the main event, it was Adam Cole and Jay Lethal and the big story, obviously, Adam Cole pinning Jay Lethal, ending the long title reign of ROH champion Jay Lethal, winning the title, Bullet Club retains. This was, and we talked about it a few weeks on the show, Adam Cole, I'm not a big Adam Cole guy. I've never quite kind of got it with him. This was, without a doubt, the best performance I've ever seen him in, and this was a really awesome match. Not a match of the weekend. I mean, nowhere near, but definitely the best match on this Ring of Honor show really worth your time to check out just to see it was a very main event style match in a lot of ways ring of honor does kind of have their little main event style at this point but they did it perfectly and i thought the ending sequence was great and it really put adam cole over as something that 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 really that they're building behind and they really can do something with it if they keep it up with him but i really the finish was fantastic because it it, it kind of came out of nowhere because there were some kickouts and then people kind of got this idea, which is good. I, I enjoy that they did this. Is the crowd was hot for the Adam Cole, you know, near falls or whatever? Because by the way, the crowd was all in on Adam Cole, like which kind of sucks for Ring of Honor when they're trying to tell the story of of Lethal being this baby face that's defending the honor of Ring of Honor, and then people, you know, people love the Bullet Club, so everyone's cheering for Adam Cole and, and really wanted them to win. But people were all in on those near falls, and and Lethal kicked out a few times, and then they stopped caring because they went, okay, there's no way Cole's going to win. Lethal's going to win, and then Cole hits a barrage of moves and pins them, and like the crowd's not really reacting, but when that one two three happens they explode and go nuts and they, the announcers kind of did the same thing too like they were also surprised by it so it wasn't like a foregone conclusion that cole was going to win this or it felt like at any point cole had the the match in hand which i liked it was kind of a surprise in that sense where you get that three and then a big reaction whereas not people are cheering the second the moves hit so i enjoyed that but yeah definitely go out of your way to watch it if you're kind of pressed for time you know, I only watched the last half of the show. You're probably, if, if really you just have no time and you're saying, hey, do I, I, can I just watch one? Definitely watch the main event. Watch Adam Cole, Jay Lethal. I would recommend you also watch the, uh, the Hangman Page, Jay Briscoe, and also the Okada Dalton Castle if you can. But I would say definitely those three if you can, though the whole last half of the card was good. I thought overall it was a very good card uh, from what I saw. I'm going to watch the rest of the matches uh, at the end. But it seemed like for the first time ever that Ring of Honor seemed on somewhat of an equal level to New Japan here, and it seemed like there was a some significance of, of Ring of Honor building up some of their own guys as well with a Hangman Page with Adam Cole winning and those sort of things. So I enjoyed it, and I thought it was a really good performance from Ring of Honor, and, and they've been uh, they've been doing a little bit better from now. So you know we had a, we were making fun of them for a while, but it seems like they're on for for reasons that we may have mentioned a few weeks ago. Hint it, nudge nudge. They seem to be on a much better path than they were for the prior you know year year and a half or so. So, so there's some direction here. 
you can feel direction for the first time in a long time with Ring of Honor, which again, hint, hint, we mentioned this. Yeah, they're bringing in some CMLL guys, Will Ospreay, Marty Skrull, so there's some direction. And Mm -hmm. and to me, I didn't see the match, but it felt like it was time for Jay Lethal to lose. There feels like a life. There finally feels like there was an injection of life in her. Because the Lethal thing, which I liked, it just seemed like it was a foregone conclusion that every time he would win, you know, this is different. There's kind of a reset period going on right now in Ring of Honor, and that's good. They needed that so, so desperately, and you felt it here. All right, anything else, Joe, before we get out of here? We are pressed for time, so hopefully you don't have anything. I've, listen, man, I just got to take a piss. So <laughs> I do, too. That's also playing into it. So, again, as we mentioned, uh, this episode was sponsored by Mac Weldon, so you don't, definitely want to go check out MacWeldon.com if you want to purchase any underwear, polos, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, all that other good stuff. We can attest to the products being great. Great materials, very comfortable, easy-to-use website, and best of all, we have a promo code. You get 20% off if you use the coupon code VOICES. So previously, we said the coupon code was VOW. They've changed that. They want to see just how loyal you people are. So they changed the promo code. It is now VOICES. So you go to MacWeldon.com. You make your order. You buy your underwear. You do whatever. You get to the shopping cart. You throw in the coupon code VOICES, and you will get 20% off your entire order. That was Joe. I am Rich, and we will see you next time on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast. Take care. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.